What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But a car! Hey, behave! I'm gonna need you to shout a little bit louder. I can't hear you back here in 40th place. I, I, guy, I'm, uh, I'm at my wits' end right now. I've played, uh, I, I just can't even fucking crack the top 20. I'm getting tired of this bullshit. Feels like you've been telling me people have been reaching out. I had a couple people DM me too. They want in on the game. The games are only going to expand. I feel like I'm getting worse. I I, I spent, I'm not going to lie, I watched a YouTube on like a professional guy breaking down with charts on who to pick, and I used it, and right now it's backfiring. One guy, I'd never even heard of this guy. I think he's from Sweden, Van Royen. Uh, he was, I, I, I listened to multiple people said, pick him. And the last time I checked, he was four over part. He's fucking 10 holes into this thing. Uh, Unacceptable. We're talking about DraftKings on a Thursday. Uh, I've been in the money the last two weeks. So I put out a video on my picking strategies and right now I'm 39th out of 40. Yeah. Your boy Van Royen, four bogeys. He's got a dollar 50 or a point one, one and a half points through 11 holes. But pissing me off. It, well, it's bad, but I, I got five points from my guy Mark Hubbard through seven. Hov, yeah, I'm – boy, this you is You know, bad. the part, part of me about Hubbard is I've ridden him the last couple of weeks. He's a solid player. Yeah. I, one tip that I got from my, uh, my – I can't give away my secrets. Lucas Glover. Yeah. Remember, he was the guy whose wife attacked him because oh, he didn't yeah. play well enough. Remember that story? That's right. I forgot about that yeah, story. Yeah, he had to call the police on his wife. After he shot like 77, I think it was like in the players or might have been a major. Like it was a legit, it wasn't just like the Honda Classic. Legit tournament. And it turns out his wife is on him all the time. Great guy. I, I've, I've read some stories like he's one of the higher character guys on tour. I guess he had a lot of success here last year. So I took him and he's, I, I think he shot like 500 or 600. He's, really? He's tied for third place. Yeah. I, see, I want to. I want to accumulate a team full of gems that no one knows, and I tried that, yeah. and it backfires sometimes, you know. Well, and then I got Bubba Watson, who 
I, I think he's just screwing around too much. Is he too rich? Does he even care anymore? Does he just want to hit crazy ass slices? I don't know. The, the, nobody in the field of 40 made a bigger mistake than me when I picked Jason Duffner thinking I was pick, picking Patrick Reed. So that that's that's about as bad as it gets. But Remember, that there were rumors that uh, Dustin Johnson, pre-Paulina, had uh, marital affairs with Jason, J, uh, Duffner's ex-wife. Remember, the super hot chick? Mm-hmm. It was like when Duffner, I think, won the PGA Championship, and he had a big-time boiler, and then he had just this babe wife. A lot of people made fun. I mean, we're just making fun of the whole thing. It's like, well, maybe Duffner's got a great personality, you know? I, to me, I'd be like, jokes on the rest of you guys. We're making fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fine. Anyway, yeah. DraftKings not a sponsor this week, but uh, word on the street is they're coming back soon, right? So, Yeah, big. It's great to have them, and uh, we'll have another game next week. I, I, I want middle call. I want you to finish in the money this week just so you, you're inspired to participate like you know, like you were a few weeks well, I'll keep, ago. I'll keep participating. I, I just, what I hate, guy, at least with football, and we're going to play this fall, it just happens in one day, right? It just, yeah. you, you're halfway through, and if you have Deshaun Watson, he's throwing a couple picks, you're mad, but it ends that day. Golf is a four-day kind of marathon of a sport where you just can get angrier over time, and then you can hate guys that you like. <laughs> I, I do appreciate about football is that if you just pick Sunday, it, it's just a pain for like six or seven hours. Golf, you just keep... Or you can just give up on it, right? You. Yeah, like I, I wish I could make some changes or something. I just want to pick some fucking good players. I mean, that's all I want. I just want to have a chance. I'm not even trying to win. I just you I want, want to be in the mix. You don't want to be 30 in 35th. I no, I don't want to have a guy that I spent a lot of money on shoot 75 on Thursday. What are these guys doing? Uh, coming up on the pod today, we got some uh, uh, mailbag questions. We appreciate you guys reviewing on iTunes. Review on iTunes. And in that five-star review, hit us with a mailbag question. So we're going to get to some of those. Uh, preseason football, coaching list, and uh, part two of... Uh, the ham how-to, how to become a broadcaster. We're changing lives, guy. We're trying to change lives one day at a time by inspiring the youth. I actually had older people. Yeah, but I did have a... um, Who just DM'd me on Instagram? Jack, who's 14, reached out about wanting to become a... wants to become a 76ers broadcaster. Do you know what's funny is I get sometimes... It's one thing like a 27-year-old, you know, Anthony hits you up and he's like, Hey, guy, love your guys' show. If you guys are ever in Milpitas, I run the bar. Fucking hit me up. We'll have some beers. Like, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. It's another thing when you get, listen, I'm a sophomore in high school. I love what you do. Give me some life advice. I'm like, oh, that, that kind of is heavy sometimes. A lot of responsibility. You know? One day, some kid, he's going to be 35, he's going to be like, Either Middlecoff pointing me down the right path or he pointing me down the wrong path, you know? One time, uh, Andrew Shapiro, who was the punter at Fresno State. And when I was at Fresno State. Good dude. As a GA, great guy. I spent a lot of time with the kickers and punters because they don't really do anything. So you could just hang out with them during practice because practice can get boring. And then as I became an NFL scout, he kept punting and he reached out to me. I think he was like maybe my second year in the league and asked me for advice. And I, I'm pretty sure I told him just immediately go into whatever he was going to plan on going into. I think now he's like 
lives in Chicago. Like he's a really smart. I guy. saw him. I remember a few years ago. I ran into him in San Francisco working professionally. Yeah, I mean, the the ceiling is the roof, like Michael said. And I I recommended don't even give it a try. He then got a. And now, granted, I, he wasn't like there wasn't a lot of buzz on him. Like he wasn't going to get wow. drafted or anything. He did get to spend an entire preseason with the Houston Texans, and I I felt bad. Right. I mean, my advice was he got a, he got a cup of coffee in the NFL. And I recommend it against. But me. it's also evidence that you recommend something to somebody. It's just, hey, take this as one of the many. Pe- I hope the recommendation I'm giving you is not the only piece of recommendation you're getting. I also think, guys, sometimes when you work in it and you're too, too close, what do they say, to the trees to see the forest, you know, you could be like, I, I'm much more optimistic and positive. My advice now on the outside would be like, fucking do everything you can. Make them rip you off the field. What's the worst? You go play in the AAF. You get the rest of your life to run an insurance company or go work on Wall Street. But if you want to fucking punt footballs, at the time it was like, no, we can only have the Ray Guy Jr. and Shane Lecklers in the league, right? I only want McManuses. Like, <laughs> you, just, you get in this warped mindset. One thing Grigson, I'll give him, give him credit, and he hates me now. He did say something was right, and I don't always believe this when you're scouting a guy. I actually think it's better advice just for life than it is for scouting. There are two type people, the, 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 and he always wanted his scouts to be glass half full people instead of the glass half empty because it's really easy, like in any job, to get really negative. And when you're a glass half empty guy in scouting, you just crush everybody, right? This guy sucks, this guy sucks, this guy sucks. It's easy to get in that mindset. Well, okay, now, the problem is I, we need players, John. Well, that's where I push back from a scouting perspective. You have to be real. But I, I think in life, when you have a positive mind, it's easier to function. In scouting, like Ryan, not every you can't see the best in every guy you're drafting. You're getting fucking, these guys are flops, right? Let's, let's nail some real players. But he was right on every, if every guy you go into is with, this guy's not going to be good which you can get in that mindset, right? Or whatever business you're in, this is going to fail or just have a bad mindset. It's, it's the bad way to start. Now, he's probably on the extreme of like loving everybody and it doesn't work out. Yeah. There is a balance to it. But Shapiro got his cup of coffee in the NFL and I recommended him go do real job. Believe in yourself. <laughs> what a hypocrite I am. Uh, all right, the podcast brought to you by Manscaped.com. Promo code is ham. That's what I've heard. Shave your balls, shave your back, shave your – you got a beard. I mean, it works for everything. USB, manscaped.com, promo code HAM. It's a fantastic product, and uh, they like us. They've told us more than the 49ers. That's right. Who they're also business partners with. Sleepnumber.com slash HAM. Go to that website, sleepnumber.com slash HAM. Good sleep is a game changer for life. Uh, all right, we asked you guys, and you have responded. We appreciate it. Keep it up. The iTunes reviews, definitely awesome, and it helps. By the way, don't forget about our YouTube channel as well, which you can go subscribe to the Haberman and Middlecoff YouTube channel. Uh, but on iTunes, a five-star review is greatly appreciated. Leave a question. It's the ham mailbag. You want to pick one out to start? We got a few here to get to. Yeah, you want me to read uh, from Neil Hoggs? Yeah. Re- read what Neil wrote. You guys were... Yeah. I, I always like throwing in the, the intro because it's usually positive. The compliments. You guys rock. I love how recently uh, with sports being really light in topics... How you ventured outside from the norm to discuss certain things. Super entertaining during a tough time. I work in healthcare as a software trainer and speak professionally all day, every day. 
I'm very interested in starting my own podcast, but I am not a celebrity. We're not either. Uh, and would just be shooting from the seat of my pants. Do you have any advice for someone like myself who would be interested in starting their own podcast in terms of how to gain a following, how to structure the podcast, or any other tidbits you have learned along the way? Thanks so much for what you do. It's gotten me through the Rona thus far. <laughs> okay. I, I think my first question would be, if Neil Hoggs was in front of us, do you want to you want to do like a sports podcast or you want to do one about healthcare? Yeah, that's Se- my first question, question too. You, uh, because I do know, for example, probably one of the richest farmers in California, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, just built a podcast studio in his office. He's going to start a farming podcast. That's great. Now he has unlimited money, but he's just going to try to find a niche. And if you want to do something about healthcare which I, 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 I hate assuming because maybe he wants to do one about like he's a huge Miami Dolphins fan. I don't I, know. Yeah, I'm assuming but, it's a sports podcast, but don't know that. I I think we're we're a little... Go ahead, shoot down his dream jaded. right now, John. Go well, Andrew Shapiro on him. We're a little jaded him. in the sense Love you, of, of when people ask, how do you gain a following? We had a following from radio when we came here. Right. Now, we've, we've done some... Uh, Instagram marketing, I actually plan on doing some more during this month as we get closer to, but th- it's not like we started from zero and got like, ze- like I, I can't go, well, how do you get from zero to a thousand? Like, I, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I just, I've never had to do, we just had a little base of listeners from the jump, unlike some people who have started a podcast. Like, I, I think a good example would be probably be like, Joe Rogan, who literally started from scratch. And you could push back, be like, I'd push well, back and say, but he's Joe celebrity. Rogan. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, most famous people were famous when they started. I don't even know if they would count then, right? I do think, no, I think you're, yeah, yes, I agree with that. And that's, uh, that, that is the first question a lot of people ask. And it's a hard question to answer. How do you get people when you don't have any people? I do think some niche, if you're not starting with kind of a head start like we had, right? because we just took a bunch of radio listeners and a lot of you guys came, if you've been with us for a long time, came maybe from that, is having a specific niche. Like, I've had, I, over the years, I've DM'd with people before. I've said, hey, I'm getting started. What do I do? And some of them have, like, picked a team, done a team-specific podcast, thinking of one guy in particular, and it's gone pretty well for them. So, and it's a, a Niner-specific podcast. Matt, um, not that he needed me to tell him that. I think that's what he's going to do anyway. No. But, uh... I just gave him some encouragement along the way, but he probably probably would have figured it out anyway. But that's maybe one thing I would say, right? Is like if you have something you want to do, be specific. The other thing people always ask is like, how do I do a sh- how do I do topics? Like, what do I do? And one thing, if you're doing it by yourself, if you've never done it before, you'll find it's really difficult. You can't just say, I'm going to talk about the Niner game for 15 minutes without any kind of structure in your head of what is the point of what I'm saying. So have a point, and then you can blab all you want but have a point to what you're saying don't talk for eight minutes and then assume like the point will just find you until you get well, because better you it. wouldn't if you were teaching a class you wouldn't go we're just going to talk about world war ii for the next two days right you right. would pick pick specific situations or instances and then how they went to another you would build it kind of like a tree right every if every topic's a tree there are branches off that tree that you could just spend all day on one branch. Right. 
right? Yep. And that's in and the more radio, you do it, the better you, you get it. Just automatically figuring it out. Yeah, to me, you have to write down a couple topics you want to hit on, and I think it helps. We got this advice from uh, the guy who originally hired you and then went on to hire me with the radio station from Jason Barrett, who's an ESPN guy. I, I, I do think it really does help when you are excited to talk about something and when you're fired up on the topic. Now, you can't just talk about, like, be fired up on talking about the 12th man for the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? That would do any good. But, like, if, the, if a game just happened... If you're fucking fired up on one individual thing in that game and guys fired up on something else, well, do those couple topics, right? I mean, once you have a good idea what ultimately people want to hear, because there are sometimes like, if you're going to do a podcast after the Russell Wilson New England Patriots Super Bowl, like, you have to open the show about the Malcolm Butler pick, right? I mean, there are some things that are just so black and white, like you don't have a choice. But most topics, I wouldn't say, are quite that just like set in stone, right? You can kind of take an angle to the topic. And to me, the number one thing, if you are going to do a sports topic, is you don't spend too much time on Twitter seeing what all the other media people are spending time on. Talk about what you want to talk about. Because there is a sheep and a group mentality often on Twitter when it comes to, and I'm just talking about sports, that I, I, I often just try to be like, what do I think when I think about it? Or what do the friends I'm texting? Like I, I base more my thoughts on what I talk about or what excites me about what I text message with people that are watching sports than I do. Because it's easy. It's easy to spend a lot of time on social media, especially during sports times, uh, because that's the number one topic. That's why I love Twitter originally. It was just talking about sports. But it's it can be kind of it can force you down a road of thinking something's really big when it's actually not. So just do topics that you want to talk about or that you are fired up on. Original not takes. You think, yeah, don't just follow um, the lead. Yeah, I... God, we're giving some fucking good advice. Yeah, you just gotta... It's, you know, I mean, it's hard. You, you, just, have to, you just have to do... You just gotta do it and don't worry about... Oh, uh, you know, I... And then you got this will be part of something else I'll say later, but and you have to listen to it and kind of critique yourself. But, um, you know, the hard, yeah, you the, know what they the, say, the, the Harvard of the West Coast, right? The Harvard of the West Coast, yeah, Cal Poly, yeah, yeah, we learn by doing, learn by doing, yeah, it's good advice, learn by doing. Or I, Harvard of the West Coast, but you still got to get it like the challenge. I still, it's not easy, all right, the challenge is still get people to get someone to listen to it. Get anyone to listen to it. Um, and that's where I go back to. I think individual teams, now there's niches. Now you're on a message board. You can kind of start building out with the hardcores if that's what you're into. Um, that said, I don't – are there any – what kind of healthcare podcasts are out there? Well, that might be a big niche. Because I would say maybe that's who, a niche. But that might be yeah, not I – mean, that might we, not be what he, he might be saying. I do that all day. What, are you guys discouraging my dreams? I don't blame you. Do, do whatever you want to do. Great yeah. part of America. Do what you want to do. All right. Um, what else we got here? TJ? Yeah, let's go to TJ. I like this question. All right. Uh, I'm a Chiefs fan, but I tolerate the Niners content just to head, hear good takes. All right, TJ. Appreciate appreciate the review. TJLG. I love, I love a good intro on a question because they're always positive. I heard on one of your shows that when Kansas City drafted Mahomes that uh, Brett Veach, the GM, did some shady stuff. And that uh, with having an agent funnel him info on teams that were going to take him. 
Again, I'm a Chiefs fan, so I'm not complaining. But is that not tampering or a rules violation? Could they get in trouble for all that? Thanks. So what's he referring to? You, you, uh, maybe you mentioned this, or you said there were this story yeah. is out there. Maybe Veach had talked about it during Super Bowl week. It became a pretty public story. I think he just told the agent for Patrick Mahomes, Chris Cabot, uh, who works with Lee Steinberg, at an all-star game in like January, pulled him to the side, and he told him, listen, myself, John Dorsey, and Andy Reid, we're in love with Patrick Mahomes. We want Patrick Mahomes. But we're picking in the late 20s. Do you want Patrick Mahomes to be with Andy Reid? And the guy basically said, that would be our ideal situation. We want Patrick Mahomes with Andy Reid. He said, well, we need to be a team. You need to tell me who likes this guy because we need to come up a long way to get him. But if we don't know where or who we need to jump, it's not going to work. So if you really want this to happen, we, we will be on your team to make it happen. And it's something that's happened in the NBA historically for our entire life, right? It happens less in the NFL because you just want your guy to go as high as possible because the money is just so different, right? And the notion of teams trading up, it's its a lot to – I think a lot of agents would say, yeah, I've heard it a million times the team never trades up, right? So it's not – the conversations between agents and coaches slash GMs are – I, I wouldn't even use the word shady. I would just use the word real. It's like it's business. I mean, you just you're trying to do what's best for both sides. Because if you're them, you go. Well, if I get this guy with Andy Reid, it's obviously worked out. I mean, it's fair to say infinitely better than they'd ever imagined. But the, the more likely for him to get a huge second contract, right? When you go, well, Andy Reid likes my quarterback. Like, and you draft him in the first round. That's a financially lucrative partnership. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I also think quarterback specifically is so uh dependent on the team i mean every position is like if you're a receiver if you're brandon Ayuk, you're just better off going to the niners than you know or the saints or the texans or one of these teams than you are going most places but there's so many other factors that you don't want to over manipulate the thing you don't want if you've got a receiver or a left tackle you're not willing to give up five or seven draft slots to send them to a better spot Right, you just whatever he's a receiver. Just go to the highest possible place, and then you'll just make it happen. Quarterback is so it. I mean, teams are so dependent on the quarterbacks, obviously, but the quarterback is so dependent on the environment as well that because as a quarterback, your second contract will be so much bigger than anybody else's second contract that maybe you are willing to give up five draft positions to make sure that you have the right coach. As opposed to a receiver, I, I in most spots he might just be able to put up. You're a great receiver. You might. You're a first round receiver. You might just put up numbers no matter where you go. I also think as an agent with a quarterback, you want two things, right? You want him in a place he can start, and then a place where he can flourish. Because if he's flourishing as an NFL quarterback, that means two things: cha ching. I mean, you just you become a cash cow. You don't even need to win Super Bowls, right? If you're just throwing touchdowns and a winning quarterback in the NFL, you become a star. So I, I just – you want to avoid at all costs certain places where quarterbacks go to die. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, that's where you wouldn't you say – and it's Andy. I mean, New Orleans would be in this camp. Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers would be in this camp. How many teams are – are agents actively trying to get their quarterback to play for or were, are willing to be in bed with a team to get a quarterback there? I'm with you. I don't 
to me, there's nothing shady about it because most well, teams are well, always like, doing the you, opposite. You, oh, yeah, we love you. We love your guy. We love you, guy. We're lying to everybody because they know teams talk, right, or what, players what talk. If, what, if, what if Howie Roseman told you people think we overdrafted Jalen Hurts? Well, we liked him a lot. I was in touch with his agent. His agent was telling me, like, this guy was going to go. He, he was just like, I was getting called. I knew he was going to go well before you were going to pick again slash in the next, like, ten picks. Or something like that. Like, don't you think that happens all the time in the NFL? Where you like think a guy got overdrafted, but he wasn't going to be there 20 spots later the next time you could get him. Yeah. Well, if you have a really good working relationship with the agent and he just tells you, like, I'm, t- I'm telling you, Mike Tomlin, he's going he's to take this guy in three picks. So if you want him, you got to take him now. If not, we'll just go to the Steelers and be happy. <laughs> but if you want my guy, this is what it costs. I'm not lying to you. We've been doing business for 20 years. Part of this, too, is... You just have long-standing relationships with these men, right? So there is a trust level if you've done deals with guys over the years. It's a huge advantage for people that have been in the NFL longer, right? And people with track records. Been in, yeah. I just think that I, I, it's just part of doing business in the NFL. Like it, it is, It's imperative that you have someone in your front office, be it the GM, be it the coach, or be it like, the Parag guy. Now, some teams now, like Howie's kind of all-encompassing. The 49ers kind of have John, but really Parag is their connect with the agents. You have to have that guy with the agents because the agents guy are the decision makers. What any, any business book you read, I remember when I was in college, like the hardest part to like make a sale is to get to the decision maker, and usually you have to go through like the gatekeeper, and the gatekeeper is usually the secretary or like someone's right-hand man, like you have to get to know that person. Like part of getting to a player, it's different in a draft. You're picking them, obviously, but just for free agency or trades or getting guys that want to aspire or be able to communicate with them, that agent is a roadblock. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. Like he's just part of the process to get where you need to get. You have to get along with them, right? Yeah, That's well, why remember- it doesn't. I bet, I bet everyone hates Drew Rosenhaus. No, it actually seems like he gets along with all these organizations, right? Right, right. He, they need him. Whether it's because they like him or just because he's got a lot of big clients is irrelevant. Yeah. He's just part of the package, right? You can describe him any way you want. These teams deal with him pretty regularly. And it feels like, honestly, it actually feels like a lot of the higher level teams like him. Right? Same for Scott for Morris. Least. Right? Yeah. Same deal. <laughs> yeah. Like, you want to get a hold of Garrett Cole... You ain't going to Garrett Cole, right? Or Bryce Harper. But also, like, Scott. if you want a shot at Garrett Cole next time, then you pay Scott's first-round pick from this last year a little over slot money, right? It's stuff like that. Well, well, there's a Which huge element Which is what just happened with that. the number one pick, Spencer Torkelson. But isn't, isn't there a huge element of that? Which, is, which, to me, is a little chicken shit with Scott. And I get it. It's part of doing business. But Scott's whole deal was, like, fighting for all this stuff and they agreed like the agreement's the agreement well wasn't the agreement that you couldn't like the slots were the slots and then this team feels obligated to pay this guy more to do well it's just but to me it's like then the then the agreement's weak like if the slots are the slots then make them the slots and you can't get paid over the slot scott i know what what just shows you like it's just business like it's just yeah everyone's somewhat of a whore when it comes to money incoming money in pro sports equals just sweeter players but i don't think but yeah but with scott it wasn't about get, it wasn't actually about getting the extra money it was about proving that he could get more than the slot sticking it yeah to when him. the deal had been negotiated that the slot was a slot yeah 
So I think it was like $8,000 over slot. It wasn't even about the money. So the team oh, goes... Oh, oh, it wasn't like $5 million more. Well, yeah, maybe it was more than 8000 but it wasn't... So when the team goes, are we really going to fight Scott over this? Let's just... Whatever. We want our guy. Let's just make everybody happy. What's he going to do? Sit out in a season when there's nowhere for him even to play? Yeah. Did Torkelson go number one? The kid from Arizona State? Uh, yeah, he went one or two. I think he went one. Did he go one yeah, or two? Yeah, he went one. Tigers. The Tigers. Yeah. Um, all right, another one. Another mailbag. What you got up next? You pick. Uh, okay, here's a good one. This is just kind of like an internet name, so I'll just say, uh, I don't even know. Nice to listen to sports Make podcast. Make it up. Just say what you sports. think it is. Yeah, uh, Benny Hanna. <laughs> but, Ni- <laughs> but, but, but BD Nedge. Yeah, so sick of politics all over ESPN and even Fox Sports 1. These guys deliver interesting topics and a discussion all the time. I have two questions. One serious, one fun. Both of you answer separately. If given the opportunity right now to trade the entire 49ers roster and coaching staff for the Ravens roster and coaching staff, would either of you do it? Lamar, Hollywood, Bosa, Kittle, probably team's best young pieces, also throw the Chiefs in. I assume you would both do that. Question. And I have been... Hearing about ESPN ratings in the tank. Can you explain what that actually means? Do they care? Like, will it affect them financially, or are they all set enough not to matter? Question. Okay, the first question. Ravens, I would not do that. Agreed. No. Chiefs, I would have to do well, that. I guess we should say Ravens, you would take alone. the Niners, is what you're saying. Yeah, Ravens, I would say no. If I was an independent arbitrator, I would just say, if I was the Niners, I would keep my Niners. And the re- and for Jimmy. me, the reason is because coaches is included, and I'd rather have Kyle than John Harbaugh. That's why I wouldn't do that deal. Number one, I, first I'm and also, foremost. I'm also not someone that just thinks Lamar Jackson is going to take the league by storm for 10 years doing what he's doing. You know, it's not – historically, it would say that does not happen that way. So, Lamar may be great, but if he becomes like, you know what, Lamar Jackson became this Hall of Fame player – You'd be like, well, he became this great passer, and right now I would just say, his, I just, I'm going to pump the brakes on that. And the Chiefs, you just, you would trade Patrick Mahomes, literally him singular for every play, every team in the league. And you're not losing anything if the exchange, like if it's like, so it's Mahomes plus Andy. Well, cool. Then like swapping, then it's not worth swapping Mahomes for Kyle because I got Andy, right? Yeah. Ky- so, Kyle yeah, would Shanahan be- would be the number one reason in this game, if we just went Niners versus the other 31 teams, in the examples where you pick the Niners, Kyle Shanahan would be the number one reason to do it, I think, right? Yeah, because Jimmy is not a Deshaun, uh, uh, Wentz, you're right, right. Uh, Russell Wilson. He's not like some transcendent talent. I bet Kyle would tell you in a moment over beers, like, no, honestly, I think I could find another Jimmy. Yeah. And, he, you know, he might be right. And we're pro-Jimmy, but... <laughs> And maybe he couldn't. Maybe he's wrong, but I don't think they're viewing Jimmy as Mahomes. Yeah. Um, uh, and I would just add, too, like, Jimmy is, Jimmy is, or maybe I'm just kind of saying what you just said, Jimmy is still a factor in this decision. It's just not when you start getting to Mahomes or the elite level, elite, elite, top-tier quarterbacks. And that's what makes Lamar unique, right? MVP candidate, but he's a little niche Now, it doesn't mean he can't break the niche and become this great passer. But I don't think people view him as a guy that's just going to throw for 5,000 yards yet, right? He's going to have, like, a huge part. What makes Lamar Lamar are his two legs, which, guy, are remarkable. He ran faster on sand than I've ever seen a human run on sand. 
And he was just fucking around with his buddies. And it was one of the more remarkable little videos I've ever seen beside him almost getting hurt by the Sea-Doo. But just the speed in which he flew around on the sand, where if Guy Haberman and John Middlecoff attempted to run on sand, it looked like we were moving in slow motion. Like, it's, humans aren't supposed to move that fast. But people said the same thing about Michael Vick. Now, the difference, I'd say, with Michael and Lamar, it feels like Lamar is way more focused early, right? One thing Michael talked about as he got older, like, I, I didn't even view the DVDs they gave me. I didn't try hard. It was all unnatural. Like, it does feel like Lamar is all in on the team, all in on getting better. So I, I wouldn't necessarily bet against him, but there is just a huge level of unknown for this guy who's had a great start to his career. I mean, anytime you to me you win an MVP, I guess you'd argue that just moving forward, like it is a little skewed now because forever in our life, like only seniors won the Heisman. And then it was like a redshirt freshman won it. It's like, yeah, I think a lot of redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomores going to win the Heisman moving forward. Yeah. Like yeah. the MVP, it was usually a guy like five years into the league. Like, yeah, throw, throw that shit out the window. <laughs> right. But the one thing I'm not throwing out the window to be a great quarterback and consistently win, you got to do it on third and 10. Right. It's just my caveat, Lamar, yep. who I, I'm rooting for. Uh, on ratings, I know I saw there was a Bloomberg article a while back that ESPN was down 62% year over year as of like uh, April, um, which is a lot. 62% is massive. <laughs> I mean, it's insanely uh, yeah. massive. I had heard, I remember somebody told me. Well, because if, if you're doing a million views, right, on a show, that show is now 400,000. That's a lot of people disappearing. Right. Actually, under. <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah, it'd be, yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody told me a while ago, a buddy of mine that works at ESPN, that part of the KBO deal was that, you know, in order to continue charging, like there was a promise of live sports being provided by ESPN to the cable providers, right? Which is how they charge whatever it is they charge per subscriber. What, whatever, what is it, like $5 or more? The, the you and I as Comcast subscribers pay, right? Right, and that ESPN is taking from say comcast right espn gets that subscription dollars not yeah. not all of it but they charge the cable provider that much they charge we the cable charge provider us and, and we, we, us. we pay for so, them something we're not getting so to justify to make sure there's you know to try and at least protect themselves against the cable providers coming back and going you guys owe us money because you promised us x amount of live events and we're not getting it that was one of the reasons they got kbo on the air because they we need to try and get live of it now whether or not they count you know that's a whole other thing but that was part of the the mindset behind it because live sports is just such a massive part not just of espn but just of cable in general right versus cord cutters yeah see and i i, I like i'm not mad at them like i, I am actively no. paying in something like i watch the nba even though majority of people no longer do i do so i, I get my money's worth and right now, it's just the pandemic. Now, big picture, people, one thing that bothers me sometimes, the media gets very uneasy when this is said, is that fans pay for everything. And they literally do. Because everything is paid now. And the majority of it now comes. Who gets uneasy I guess when in that's baseball, I, it's, it's something that many blue check marks just like, that's not true. They're just wrong. It's just one of their, because I think it empowers the fans. I've seen it countless times, guy. Okay. Of media members getting up in arms when that's said. Because uh, they hate that notion that like the fans own the players, and players get bothered by it too. Fans literally are the oh, bank for well, everything. Yeah, I mean, but I see. I don't think fans are. I don't think the people that fight that are saying fans don't pay for things. I think their argument would be 
and I'm not I haven't seen exactly I think that argument is more that doesn't give you the right to talk to players or to say the players health doesn't matter that's where I tend to see that stuff but anyway yeah I I just think that the fans pay for everything and now it's through and I don't think the that's a debate, just watch was my point. But. Yeah, it, it, well, it's not debate. I mean, it's literally where all the cash comes from. And people are like, what about the, the media rights pay for everything? Well, yeah, the media rights, they pay all the, They paid $24 billion for the NBA in 2014. And that was based on two things. One, people watching it and it growing with the amount of people watching it. So it's gone the other way. And the way these TV networks, and that you just cut the $24 billion over a 12-year span to the league. And how the networks make up for it is by selling advertising, right? And it's just that most people that I think that watch sports who work in business don't even think about it. They just show up, watch the game, and go. They don't even care. They just want to be entertained. But when your commercials show up, that's paying for everything. Now, when the pandemic hits or a recession hits, advertising is the first thing to get yanked. So the TV networks start feeling the pinch, and that's where you see the force majeure, and you see some of these contracts. I think Under Armour's going through it right now with Cal and UCLA. Yeah. It's just a time when you've entered into some contracts that you might be, whoa, this actually didn't pencil before a virus hit, right? You were like, you would have got out of the contract two years ago. And people, that, that's where a lot of weird stuff's going on. For example, Fox pulled the U.S. Open this year, right? Right. Or sold the rights they, to NBC. They bailed on the contract. One thing I had heard is, one, they knew they were never going to make that much money on it. It was more of like a passion play and just be involved in it. Well, this year was going to be a major problem. They went to the USGA and they told Fox, or excuse me, Fox went to the USGA and told them the US Open ain't going to be played on Fox on Sunday. We were, we're going to play Cowboys Pack, whatever the game was. The NFL comes first. Now, they still had eight, six years beside this, but I think it was one of those like, Listen, money might come back to earth a little bit. You cut it off. It's all about advertising. Advertising dollars, it's the reason newspapers are dying. Advertising is quit them. They, they used to be, all a newspaper was, was just a distribution channel for advertisers. And the less and less people that read newspapers, the less and less advertisers are willing to come. It's just like forever advertisers paid radio a lot of money because it was the one audio where people could listen to. Well, now podcasts. Why do you think the fucking Manscaped dot com promo code ham or sleepnumber.com slash ham or all these we're just a distribution channel for advertising but advertising is the first thing to get cut in a company when money gets tight because usually 10 percent of gross revenue from what i've learned over the years is like so if you're doing a billion dollars in revenue you're usually doing a hundred million dollars in marketing slash advertising that's a lot of money yeah now it's all relative not every company's that big but it's an easy way to slash an amount of money without firing people. And you can't put live sports on 24 hours a day, even when you have live sports, right? Which is the other issue. And so I think a lot of times what you see is live sports drive the other programming live sports on. That's why Scott Van Pelt comes on after Monday night football. It's a valuable spot to be right. You carry over that audience. Um, a lot of shows locally are built around like we've seen in the, in the Bay area, NBC Sports Bay Area. Now the only original programming they put on TV is the pre and post game shows, by and large, right? Shows that come on at before, or after live sporting events. I mean, that is the point of difference that cable channels have. Um, and ESPN needs baseball. ESPN needs basketball because ESPN's NFL coverage is 
one night it's Monday night football, right? In terms of live games and a couple of wild card yeah. games. So, if but they, they, they pay the league a lot of money for more than Monday night for the highlights, right? So they can show them six days a week. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, Monday. like, one of the things that's happened is baseball and the NBA have their ratings down. That hurts ESPN specifically because they clear so much Major League Baseball oh, yeah, and yeah, NBA. Yeah. Now, in the end, they, for they them, have so much inventory to show. Now, to your point, they have a lot of inventory, which is great because that's a lot of advertising inventory, but. They're just—they're not the only show in town anymore. And co- you know, college basketball and college football obviously are huge for them. Well, here, here's one other problem for us. For example, it's easier for us to get involved with advertisers because our price point isn't a hundred thousand dollars an episode. Well, ESPN got to the point in their heyday—I'd say mid to late two thousands and early two thousand tens—where their numbers were huge. Well, what did that mean? They're charging a shitload to advertise on their platform. And that's their, their salaries went up. They could pay a lot of people more money. Well, the advertising dollars, they no longer get as many people to watch. So you can't charge as much for your advertising. So it's just, yet, they have all these set costs, right? And right. studios. Everything's gone and, up. And deals that are signed. So it's the money coming in is going down, yet the money going out is only raises every year. Where it makes them, like, it's a company like Barstool can fucking fly, like, can gain huge market space quickly because they're a little more flexible. We talk about it all the time in our space right now. We're lucky we can be really, really flexible. But if we got to a point where, like, we signed some deal with the 49ers and we were set on costs, we had 10 employees, it, it becomes a little more difficult. You're bigger, right? you're you it's a bigger become, boat to turn, yeah. It, you become stuck. Yeah. There's a little uh, life lessons from Haberman. Hey, no, I mean, it's something we, we you're right. We, t- we talk about it all the time, not on the podcast, but off, off of it. Just about, even we've talked about it a lot in the last four months, just our kind of, where we've seen some bigger companies. It takes them a lot longer just to figure out how to put something on YouTube at first. Like, well, how do we, we got nine different people. We got to get it through the editors and they got to get it up and, I remember we talked to somebody early, and they're like, how much time do you spend editing your YouTube videos? We are like, we don't. We just record them live and put them straight up. There's no editing. Like, what? I, I think I heard, I heard Winhorse say this one time, how much, like, t- eight years ago he battled, like, to just tweet out. Like, I got something. Can I just tweet it out? Like, we get the credit. I work for ESPN. Like, no, we want to post a story. Remember ESPN fought it for a while, too, like, if you posted breaking news, there was like you'd have to hit like click on the tweet and you get a longer tweet. It's like, what do you guys? Yeah, doing? trying this to get the cr- com- the click or whatever for it, right? Yeah, stop being this complicated. Just y- y- you'll get bigger and you'll make money that way. Yeah, let let it, just it break on Twitter and your guy will become more famous and that'll just help you and it'll you'll when he goes on TV that'll make it more important, right? Yeah, it was yeah. a Schefter thing, right? Like it was you had to like click the link to the page or something. I, I, the one thing I've heard, though, is like they paid $10 million or whatever a year for no, Woj. Does he make the money just ba- – like he's a tw- – he's they basically just paid for his Twitter account, you know? Like no one's like, Woj on TV, you got to watch. And the, the difference between Schefter and Woj, for example, everyone's watching what Schefter's talking about, right? Like the entire country, the numbers speak for themselves. Woj, while it feels big and Woj bombs – well, 800,000 people watched the all-time lowest rated ABC game happened this year. Bucks Sixers. 
Well, like, I well, can I can tell you the start of that problem. Well, but when the but again, it's Giannis and beats like some of their biggest stars. Yeah, I know, but it's still like, Bucks. It, it, I'm it's sorry, the, it's still Bucks Sixers, right? Yeah, but it's like if it's if if Schefter tweets Deshaun Watson has been traded, he's on the Texans. Like it's not. No, I know. But that's the beauty of the NFL. The NFL, and this is not a new thing, is the NFL has been built around its franchises. Because like if I if I was to Star, get this is why I always media, say, John. Sorry, like stars are great as long as they stay in the same place. Do you think Schefter, if you were Adam Schefter, would you go whatever Woj is getting? I deserve minimum fifty percent more. Oh yeah, I cover a way more important league. I I'm just way more important. My 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 comments translate to more than Twitter. I, and I like Woj. I mean, he's an impressive guy, but it's just based on numbers. It's not Woj's right? fault. No, it's not Woj's fault. I watched dirt track racing on FS1 the other night. It's pretty incredible. There's only like they forty do have laps. Some like, yeah, man. do they go? They do the jump. Just a loop, and they're just constantly just. Uh, what is it called? Centrifugal force, where you're like pulled to the side. They're just constantly in like a sideways slide. The whole thing is they're just sliding in a circle, basically, because the track is like wet. It was incredible. Yeah, muddy. It was incredible. And then at the I end, they're like, they interview the guy. He's like, yeah, you know, my dad's been sick and dirt track people, just different, just good people, man. Everybody around here has been asking about my dad. And <laughs> it was incredible. Oh, his dad passed or no, something? No, no, his dad's fine now, but he had been ill. But dirt track, he just said the words, dirt track people are just good people. Like, this the community's tight. The community's this, tight. This thing, like, it is high speed, constant. Like, you don't even get to pass because my wife, Alyssa, is like, where's the straightaway? And I'm like, I don't think there is a straightaway. It's just a constant turn. It's amazing. Looks very Talent risky. Guy. <laughs> so next, if very you see risky. dirt track racing on the guide, I recommend you click it. Did you look to see, like, what the winner got? No, I didn't. I should have. Didn't look based on the broadcast. Like, like I would have guessed twenty thousand. Feel like twenty five. Yeah, yeah, feels high. Maybe. <laughs> so, so the risk versus reward. It's it's not like uh, what's the risk of playing golf during Corona? You know, like Webb Simpson would be like, ah, oh, it's about one point like five million dollars. Yeah, or like that F one show you told me about, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean those guys. I I googled Lewis Hamilton's uh, career earnings. I mean hundreds of millions right, of dollars. Right. So, like, if you do just make it to the Formula One tour, cha-ching. Like, if you're just on one of the rotations, you're getting paid. Now, you, a guy did in the show died on, like, the the minor league tour. But how much did he leave to like his family? Saturday if they were on Sunday. What? How much did he leave to his family? Or was he not a well, big he was on guy? The, he, yeah, he was in, like, the minors. He hadn't Oof. quite made it to the bigs yet. So, you know. Jeez. A lot of tears were spread. I don't know how much money came his way. Uh, one more uh, mailbag here. This is from Dodgy Casey. Been listening for a year and a half now, which, by the way, it's great to have the originals. It's great to have the new people, too, right? I'd say Dodgy Casey's newish. So he doesn't know about, or she doesn't know about the uh, 99. We look at the YouTube stats. 99.9% of our YouTube views are male, so I just assume everybody's yeah. a dude. Um he doesn't go back to the radio open that explained everything. Remember that I give JB some credit. Like he understood. Here's the open. It's 30 seconds. You see, he's a smart guy. Uh, we're going to tell you everything you need to know about these two people right in the open. Anyway, Casey says, been listening for a year and a half now. Always anticipate new episodes since asking questions in a review is a new, new thing. Here goes. I think you guys will spend a second on it here or there talking about college and other things. But how did you come to know each other? Was it college or high school or even the grade level? 
Uh, love the pod, guys. Keep up the great work. They're old. Met them on MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. The old uh, radio Davis. open was would start with high school friends. So Davis. CA. What year did you move to Davis, California? Summer before uh, ninth grade, which in Davis is junior high, not high school. So what was that? Nineteen ninety eight or nineteen ninety nine? So you went for a year at Emerson. That's right. That was the junior high. I went to Holmes Junior High. Two two junior highs. Now there's Davis. three in Davis, right? Yeah, which is doesn't make much sense. Our buddy that's a football coach on the staff, they made the playoffs for the first time in years last year. E.G. was complaining to me about it a couple weeks ago. I played golf with him, was telling me that just it's, you know, all these other high schools in like the Sacramento area. Fulsome, you, you might as well just call like uh, Alabama light in fucking Sacramento. I mean, just telling me some of the stories they got going on there. A little shady, but it's working. They're winning. Uh, they, they get like their fourth straight Pac-12 quarterback right now. I mean, it's just oh, I don't wow. know what they're doing up there, but they are uh, they are a factory guy. Maybe not Pac-12. I think they had one guy go to Boise State, but I mean, Boise State would probably be like That's the great. best team in the Pac-12. But that he was just complaining about all these other schools have ninth through twelve. It's easier for sports. Gotcha, right? You gotcha. get all your guys on campus. Davis has three middle schools. I wonder how many middle schools feed or junior highs feed Folsom more than three. I'm sure because Davis just has one high school. Well, I think they got a little something like De La Salle going where they pay you and they put you up. And rumor was that one of the quarterbacks, like two two starters ago, who's now somewhere in Division One, lived by himself at an apartment. So they, they got some good things going. <laughs> high school. High school. That's fantastic. Now, again, competing for state. Uh, listen, state champions. It's like he's right? learning life lessons. Yeah. Knows how to balance a, 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 you know, a checkbook. I, I honestly, as you know, I, I, I consider myself when it comes to high school sports, I, I always take a little more pride in Sacramento than I do the Bay, though I live right next to De La Salle. I feel it's cool that we got a De La Salle in SAC now, too. Like De La Salle and Folsom, to me, are by far the two best football programs in Northern California. Wait, wait. There's Especially another De La Salle High School in Sacramento now? N- no, it's I just view Folsom oh, as right, now right. the De La yeah, Salle. Right. They, they, used, they would play each other a few years ago. They played. Uh, yeah, did they play like in they, the open division? They did. Actually, I called the game. Yeah, Dale they, they played each other a couple times. Yeah, Dale Salle's beat them. I think Folsom They had Jake got Browning that, that Maybe year. last year. Yeah, they killed them. Killed remember? Them, yeah. Now, I think these quarterbacks since Jake are better. Uh, Edie was telling me they got like eight Division One guys like on wow. the, that are seniors. I mean, they're stacked. So, yeah, we met in high school, Davis High. We yep. were not like Folsom. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then Middlecoff went to Cal Poly. I went to Fresno State. If you listen to the last podcast, you know, he then went – how to be a scout, came to Fresno State as a graduate assistant, and we lived together there, and then he went to Philly. And then a few years after that, I came to the Bay Area, and then he was the West Coast stout for the Eagles living in San Francisco. I ended up moving like, I don't know, five blocks away, and then we got a radio show together. That's the short version. Yeah. Small world. I mean, it's great. You couldn't have Haberman gave me a place to live, even though I paid for it, though it was cheap. It was, what do you think we were paying back then? 500 bucks a month? In fr- uh, each? Less, because I think it was like nine fifty rent. Yeah, so I mean, our first year, AJ Riding also went to high school with us. Works for Sac State at the time. Was working for Fresno State. Uh, played at Fresno State basketball. Uh, had this guy. He's like, oh, we got this guy, Paul George, that no one thought was going to be sweet, and then he turned out to be uh, yeah. a star. Yeah, uh, you guys really place to pick up I mean, basketball. <laughs> It'd be hard to describe. I was at a I was at a party one time, a football party with all the coaches. Pat Hill was there, and Lee Moon, who was your friend before my friend, works with AJ, was on the coaching staff. He was there. We're all drinking beer. 
And one of the big conversations was Ryan Matthews and Paul George were both going pro. Yeah. And people thought Paul George was crazy. I remember Pat, Paul, Pat Hill looked at Lee Moon. He's like, listen, do you want me to talk to Paul? I'll sit down with him and give him some advice. Like, maybe this isn't a great idea. Then, like a month later, Larry Bird drafts Paul George. Rest is history. Yep. <laughs> you could argue his career way better than Ryan Matthews. I when mean, they both went pro. Yeah, I mean, they were both what? <laughs> they both were drafted like twelve or thirteen or somewhere. They had a bet between the two of them. I think who would get drafted first. I think I think Paul went ten or eleven. Ryan went twelve. Maybe? Yeah, I think it was twelve. But regardless, like most people at Fresno would have been like, yeah, I don't think Paul's no. going to do that. I was doing sports talk at the time. Nobody thought he should. Everyone, every take was like, hey, what is he? Oh, this is crazy. You know. He was right. He was right. He was right. Yeah, he was right. Um, so we went to Fresno State, and then I left. And then, like you said, got linked back up in San Francisco. When I was out of work, you had me on a radio show, I remember, in the summer. I was doing the night was, show. Like, emailing all these yeah. people, like ESPN and all these blogs, trying to like path, you know, get a new career. You you wrote and, an article, uh, I remember, for, uh, what was the name of that website? NFLosophy or NFL? Oh, uh, yeah, maybe something? I was thinking of something else. Okay, yeah. I, I don't even know. Some website. I couldn't even tell you what it was now. And then you had me on and uh, as a guest on You came in show. studio for like a couple segments. I was doing, I was doing the 7 to 11 p.m. show. Give your boss credit, who later became mine. He would listen to Yeah, it, I think he heard right? it. I think Jeremiah Crow, who now is at KMBR, heard it. Wouldn't you imagine that not many bosses would be locked into night show guests when their host is like in his late 20s? I don't know. That's a good or question. That, I mean, I'm not giving them too much credit. I don't know. I mean, they we had good bosses, so I can't. I'm not sure that everybody would do that. I, I assume they were good bosses. They both kind of knew they what they were, were at, for. They were really at the time. They were actively looking for every edge possible. Yeah. So if you were looking for every edge possible, you would be listening to everything well, you were hearing. Yeah. The way I got to San Francisco was I was just doing I was doing a radio show in Fresno, and I got an email from one of them. I think it was Jeremiah one day. It said, "Hey, would you be interested in coming up here for an audition?" I was like. Okay. Like that, out of the blue, I hadn't applied for a job. It was just, and that's, anyway, that's another story. Uh, thanks for the questions, though. Podcast brought we, we to talk about that during our broadcasting. Yeah, we're still going to do that later? Yeah, let's do that next. Uh, podcast brought to you in part by Manscaped. Manscaped.com. The promo code is HAM. Whether you're not a fan, we need you. If you're a Raider fan or a fan of the Titans or the Steelers, spite the Niners and use our promo code. I don't even know if they've put their promo code out there, John. They're just the official partner. Well, our promo code is the one that makes money for us. Yeah. Hand. <laughs> when you're the when you're the Niners and you got that leverage, you don't need promo codes. We do. Manscaped.com, promo code HAM. Use it. If you need it, get one for your dad, get one for your brother. They're great little gifts. They come in this sweet little travel bag. They got ball preservers. They obviously have the lawnmower 3.0, which is kind of their pride and joy. You've been using it. I've been using it for a long time. Little USB charger. Great. Won't nick the, the testes. Uh, it's, it's, it's just fantastic. Yeah. It, it's an elite product. Manscaped.com. Promo code HAM. Uh, the lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer. Oh. You mentioned oh. it. You get the Crop Reviver, the Testy Toner. Subscribe to the Perfect Package. Get a, a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. And if you do the subscription, you also get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag and the Patented High Performance. Reduce chasing, a chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. You get 20% off and you get free shipping when you use the code HAM at manscaped.com. Okay, code HAM, oh. 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com. That's that. Love Manscaped. Yeah. 
Uh, did you want to talk about this other stuff or just go straight to the uh, how-to? What do you think? Well, <laughs> I mean, we could do we could do one of them. Yeah, let's let's do the preseason one. Okay. So since our last podcast, uh, I guess you could call it news, uh, NFL news. It's the bar is low, but this is this is real NFL news. Four preseason games are now they, two they preseason games. They trimmed the grass at Levi's. We're like, oh, we're going to do 30 minutes on it. Well, it's like Brandon Ayuk's catching balls at San Jose State. I thought they shut all those things down. The Niners are out here working. Yeah. Which is yeah, one the of the— players don't give a shit. One of the reasons—actually, that is not one of the reasons, but teams like the 49ers, and I would say they're pretty high on the list of teams that are going to be fine, don't need four preseason games. Now, you might argue nobody needs four preseason games. A lot of people have been arguing that for a long time. So maybe two preseason games will be fine for everybody. But I think we could make a list of teams that are, are need four preseason games the least and teams that need four preseason games the most, and the Niners would be on, on the side of need it the least. Well, this has been a conversation with the preseason in general that when 17 games came up, they were going to cut the preseason, that a lot of coaches now have been making a mockery of the preseason. This guy was – I mean – Definitely, it feels like one of the first. Like Sean McVay doesn't travel guys. They don't play anybody. I don't think Jared Goff's taken a snap the last two years. But it's not just him. It's like the majority of their core would be like, oh, the Rams left 17 guys at home. And it, that used to be for game four, and he's just done it for both. And I, I think most people at this point in time, it's not like the NBA where it's like, well, these guys need the rest. They need the, the science. They need the rest. It's like, guys, well, tell that to fucking Billy – and his little son, James, that paid $500 for fucking lower bowl seats. Listen, no, I got no problem with rest for Jared Goff in a preseason game. If you're going to a preseason game, you know what you're getting into. Right. If you do that in a regular season game, the fans are allowed to get fucking mad, especially when you're charging a premium. Now, the NFL charges a premium. That's part of the pushback. Like, how can you charge me the same price for this crappy preseason game? And I think even most the consumer knows, well, it's just part of the deal for me to get the other eight tickets. It sucks. It's it's uh, it's, but I, it's holding you ransom is what it is. It's a kidnapping. Yeah, there's n- there's nothing you can do. And I think the fair move in general, the more and more these teams don't try, just get rid of it. And I think that these teams now have done a good job, which there's going to be no uh, joint practices this year, but uh, letting their season ticket holders kind of rotate through the joint practices, right? We've been at the Niners don't even have that much room, and they've been letting probably five to ten thousand people a day come to those things and you see some pictures at some of the like the Broncos have way more room and just other it, Jerry's got a lot of room down in Oxnard uh Mark Davis when he was in Napa they don't have that much room either and they did everything possible to fit people in I think the preseason guy it's a little like the DH is the beginning of the end now I don't know if you're a team I think you'd always fight for like two preseason games just so at minimum you could play like some of your fringe guys so you could get a look for them yeah but I think the day of four, I think I think it's over. I mean, right, we know officially, right? It's going to be two. They got rid of the first and the fourth for this year. You're saying when back. everything's normal, it ain't coming back. You're just going to have two preseason games. I, I wouldn't be totally shocked if there was just one. Now there's probably economic, right? You got to think of the business side. The one thing with two gives you a home in a way. Would you imagine that's how they think about it? So you can charge a nine ticket package yeah and i think you right t- yeah and then it's to me that's palatable for a fan i'm buying one of these okay it's the first game i'm gonna see so i can get excited for one preseason game at home right um and i 
Sometimes I, they're I on a weekday they're, though. They're kind of weird. Well, I know. I right? but you also have local TV. You make some money off your because those games are not national televised broadcasts, right? They're local TV broadcasts. Um, but I also think you can justify. You you tell me. Like I think as a coach, you can justify. I want to see. I don't. One game is not enough for me to see everything I want to see. Like when you watch Hard Knocks, one thing that's really apparent is for guys trying to make the roster in four those preseason games. Yeah. There's not that many snaps for those guys, right? You'll go through four games, and somebody might get six snaps, and then they're cut. You're like, well, that was your shot. You put it on tape in practice. One thing I do think, I do wonder this. For teams that are going to be good or are supposed to be good, right? So the teams that – it's one thing if you are the Jags, and you're not going to be that good this year. You like how they're the number one team, like – when you're just thinking of a shitty team, you're like, the Jags. Well, it fits branding-wise. They just always, just by and large, they've been bad as an organization. And now they're, like, basically trying to get Trevor Lawrence, it seems like. Um, yeah. They just they just gave away Nick Foles, even though they, they, have to pay, they got all this dead money now. But anyway, if you're a team like them, injuries, whatever, you're just going to be bad. But I think teams that are supposed to be good, like the 49ers, for example, the less stuff that you do before the season starts the less chance of injury you have, because I do think we're going to have, I hate saying it, but I think we're going to have some weird injuries coming off of just this weird offseason the way we did after the lockout in 11. Just the less opportunities you have for somebody to have something go wrong, the better. Just get to the season. And if somebody gets hurt in the season, that'll happen too, but let's just just get to the season. So Now, what about like Trent, like the Niners, Trent Williams, or new player, you know, Tom Brady, the Bucks. Well, see, to me, there's a, like Trent Williams, this is why it's a seamless addition. He knows the offense. He, Kyle coached him. So they, the, like he knows the terminology. Now, there's a chance that some of the words have changed. Right. I, I would imagine it'll be a pretty seamless transition. I view Brady, at, that's a huge, to me, a, new, a, a major player moving, like a Tom Brady going to a new team. That, to me, factor, like no offseason, the preseason being weird. And not, I'm not even talking about the preseason games, but just training camp being weird. Like, that's, to me, a huge kind of curveball. Cam Newton, like what you can't expect of him. Like, there, there are some just potential limitations. And I'd also say the coaches. Like, everyone just, McCarthy, the Cowboys are going to be good. Like, that's asking a lot. They've had, had like, 15 Zoom meetings. <laughs> Is Dak going to show up? Like, just to think that, yeah, the Cowboys on paper, you'd go, should win 9, 10 games. But it might be a little more challenging than they thought, right? Like Andy Reid, he returns 20 of 22 starters. The, the Ravens well, have everyone coming back. But what about, to your point on coaches, what about first, first-time head coaches like Joe Judge, right? Just in terms of game management, substitutions, just handling all that stuff. I guess Cleveland, Cleveland would be in that position, right? Um, anybody else? There aren't that many new coaches this year. Uh, who are, who else got fired this year? Jeff State. I, mean, I feel like there should be Dolphins. more guys. Yeah, I don't think there were that. Uh, but those are only two McCarthy. first time. I mean, Ron, Ron Rivera, but he's not Ron a first time head coach. Yeah, I think we got a couple guys recycled, which helped. So yeah, that's yeah, I, it's a small yeah. group. <laughs> yeah, the the guy Ron Rivera and Mike McCarthy are much more equipped, right, to figure out wrinkles to keep the ship or the train on the tracks. Ron's talked about it. He's like, when I first got the job, it was during the lockout. McCarthy was obviously coaching during the lockout. Like, that does help. Yeah. That is an element of – Joe Judge was like a graduate assistant for Saban in 2011. I, I think Joe Judge talked to him for briefly at the Combine, 
impressive guy, there's a chance the guy that's an all-time disaster. It really is. I think his his uh, offensive coordinator is Jason Garrett, who, if anything, Jason Garrett got nailed for. It's like, you know, listen, he's sharp. He can, like, set up a schedule. He can, he can shirt will be tucked in. He's perfectly shaved. Like, the Cowboys will be on time to the bus. His problem was, like, God, their offense is so fucking vanilla. Does he do anything? And now he's the offensive coordinator? That's... To me, the offensive coordinator is everything he kind of wasn't. He stopped being the offensive coordinator. That's You're very dependent on that individual calling your plays. That's kind of crazy. They could go really bad. Like, if he clearly is just not a very good offensive coordinator, they could be atrocious. But the quarterback not, might not be good either. I don't know. Well, that too, yeah, their team is not that talented. It could... The Giants could be really, really bad. I don't like they—they they could be Jaguar bad. I don't care that they're Las Vegas. I still think Raiders Niners is cool. So we still got that preseason game. Uh, that'll be the well, Niners. Don't, don't Raiders you expect first them game. once Corona ever kind of slows down or ends in the future? We'll see some joint practices between those two teams. Gruden and John know each other. Kyle and John know each other. Yeah, it depends who has rights to feels. Napa. That is it. At the Niners facility in Napa is that what it's going to be? When. Let's say the Niners are practicing at Napa. Wouldn't it make sense for the Raiders to come back to Napa? I don't know where you'd stay, yeah. but is there? Well, the Rams did it, so there's places to stay. Clearly, remember it the Rams practiced Napa. That's so right. They, they clearly have another hotel. That was that? Was the? Did they have the fight in Napa? Or was that in L.A.? That was in L.A. Someone took off remember, a helmet and swung it, or a fan grabbed a yeah, helmet. Like, see, <laughs> Yeah, it was crazy. It was wild. The, the Rams were involved uh, in a couple, right? Remember, they were involved in one with the Chargers that looked like a legit gang fight. Where just it was like, this is the scariest thing I've ever. People coming everywhere. It was just mayhem. People getting kicked on the ground. Yeah. Like I just remember it somebody being good uncomfortable watching it. Yeah, it I think like Keenan Allen de- got into a scrap. Yeah. One day we'll tell our grandkids about how there used to be four preseason games, and they'll be like, "What? Four preseason games?" What's wrong with yeah, you? Yeah, there might be a chance that the, the preseason doesn't even exist at all in five years. Well, if you told the owners you could trade uh, four preseason games for four regular season games, they'd be like, great. Well, that's one of the things of well, people just like, abolish the preseason. Like they would, but it's like, we do make money from that. Right. And there is this thing we call football revenue that, I don't know, we split well, here's with the, other the players. Thing. Like, do they, players don't get paid what they get paid for the regular season and the preseason. Yeah, but I think the football revenue Gets in split. the preseason is factored into the season. All right. Well, we're not going to miss you two preseason games. Although it makes hard knocks shorter, whatever. That's fine. No, but you can – there's practice stuff. I mean, like the practice stuff's pretty good. The games is actually kind of the worst part. You could argue it is. Because you're always, like, focused on the one little guy. And then he, like you said, he gets three snaps. And, and then his, like his mom in the crowd, like, he's in! He's in. They yeah, put him like, in. Or, or, or it's like, Connor, you're in. And he like can't find his mouthpiece because he didn't, th- you know, he's eating seeds on the like, side. He's is, like struggling to clip his helmet. He's always got like his hat. He's like, man, this is bullshit, man. I'm not getting any snaps. Yeah. Are you getting snaps? Did you get, you got a snap? <laughs> yeah. Good. No, I'm happy for you. Yeah. Okay. You suck. And then they like make a call and he thinks it's cover three and he doesn't know and the coach is freaking coach! out. He's like, I didn't hear the call. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's the same song and dance, just rinse water. Coach, routine. nobody put me. Nobody told me. You, you have to have your gloves on. I didn't yeah, know. And then and th- and then the following episode, there's a sit down in his office, like a come to Jesus moment. Like, if you really want to make this career, I need you all in. And then the next practice, he's super focused, 
even though like the older player that's kind of a fuck around guy, but he's a lock on the roster, wants to still play around, he has to avoid him. And the head coach is kind of eyeballing them both. And it's too late. I mean, it's the same shit that happens in every fucking hard knocks. Uh, you know, we could we could talk about the other thing for like five minutes. I think we give okay, it five fine. minutes. All right, let's give it let's 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 uh let's give it five minutes. So we did uh, head coaching rankings a while back, and we said that you could justify drafting Kyle Shanahan number one, even if you can't like stack his resume up right now to put him ahead of Belichick or Andy or even like Mike Tomlin, right? Just the resume doesn't stack. That doesn't mean you couldn't justify taking him number one or number two in an NFL coach draft. Well, Cowherd put together a list of his top 10 coaches, and here were his criteria. Age does matter, because we always have this argument like, well, if age doesn't matter, if I just do it for one year, I'm taking Brady. Easy to work with, the less controversy, the better. Innovative thinker, and uh, relates to players. Okay, so here's his list. Kyle Shanahan, number one. Sean McDermott, Doug Peterson, McVay, John Harbaugh, Matt Nagy, Brian Flores, Lincoln Riley, Urban Meyer, Mike Tomlin. So two college coaches one college coach one analyst uh, on the list one harbaugh it's funny if you'd done this list five years ago which harbaugh would have been number five but uh jimmy yeah so there you go shanahan number Listen. one not not by the way can i just say this before we start like breaking it down piece by piece not controversial kyle shanahan number one not con- inspired inspired take you and i have talked about this for a while now but not controversial sean mcdermott pretty bold bold i like him He's impressive. I'm an, he's an impressive guy. Bold. Maybe wrong, <laughs> but bold. I, I think if I was I an Eagles it. fan, I'd go, well, Doug not only won a playoff game two years ago with Nick Foles on the road when the guy hit missed the fucking field goal, but he also won the Super Bowl the previous year. And you could ar- – couldn't you also argue like – go ahead, finish that thought because I if, – If Doug Peterson was Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan, how would he be talked about? Like what do you mean? If he was coach in the league, how how would he be have to be different? I'm just to be saying, that guy? if he would, if he was just sh- if Sean McVay had done what Doug Peterson did, or Kyle oh, if Shanahan McVay did it, yeah, Doug I'm Peterson. sorry, yes, yeah, won a Super Bowl and then had success and made the playoffs. Would be ahead of Kyle. Years. <laughs> yeah, it, you couldn't even say it with a straight face, right? If Sean McVay, three straight years, three straight playoffs, won a playoff game and won. Lost a tight one in another and won a Super Bowl. And by the way, did it in Philly. Delivered a championship to Philadelphia and handled the media the you way Doug did. Because I watched Doug's press Doug's conferences. pretty disrespected. Yeah, I think you yeah, could argue that. Because he does a hell of a job yeah. with all of that shit. Right? And he's a I former know. quarterback. He, he, he's like, what? What? Well, I don't know why. Well, guy, well, why you, is this? You, is it the way he talks? I was watching. Uh, I, was watch, I, don't, I think he's kind of self-deprecating. I talked to him the other day. Or not the other day, but at the combine, you know, I was asking about his kids. I think one of his kids in an Ivy League school. I'm like, God, you got some smart kids. He's like, yeah, I'm the dumbest guy in the family. I just think he's kind of a humble from the South. He's not like showy. But, Ka- but just, Shanahan isn't. I don't know. McDermott isn't. No, I, I don't, now he's got I don't Doug know. third I mean, on this list, so he is. This list is giving Doug Peterson good respect. Yeah, I just. But I agree with you. you in general, I, I agree. He does not get enough. He, <laughs> no. He wins. Uh, he won with he deals with a quarterback. The backup quarterback. Now, Nick's pretty solid, obviously, but. We were talking about this before we jumped on. I do think it's a little unfair. Like, the college game and the pro game, to me, has never been more different. Right? In the sense of recruiting has never been crazier than it is now. Like, it truly is. You talk to these college coaches, 365, and I think at the big schools like Lincoln Riley, 
he's spending more time on sophomores than he is the seniors, right? Because the seniors are committed. So you're spending more time than they ever have. In basketball, they always did this. But football was not like this, I'd say, 10 years ago. You're constantly spending all your time on, like, the sophomore class once your class is committed. Right. And I I just – I don't think they parallel each other – being able to deal with NFL players and being able to deal the personality deal with college players is a lot different. And I just think like a lot of these guys, like there's a chance Lincoln Riley never coaches in the pros. Urban never did. And he probably won't ever. Like, I, I don't know like how to even compare like Urban Meyer and Doug Peterson, right? Here's what I know. Urban is a great coach. I think he's a little bit of a hypocrite and a little fraudulent with some of the stuff. But because he's wired more like an NFL guy, but he speaks like a college guy, like changing lives, influencing people, all that stuff. But he wins, and he wins big time. But would he work in the NFL? I, I don't know. I don't know. Would Lincoln yeah. work? I don't know. I, I w- w- would Kyle work in college, right? Could you put Kyle at USC and just think they'd be a power? Like football, they'd be good. Part of what we're saying is this Kyle recruiting want element to do that stuff, right? But 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 I think most college coaches don't quote unquote necessarily want to do that, right? They don't love doing. It's just part of. The yeah, gig. but but I guess for college there is this wider array almost of skill sets that can make you one of the best college coaches that don't involve. Well, being like James an offensive James coach. James Franklin's viewed as like the number one recruiter slash personality in college football, right? And I don't think he's viewed as like some dynamic scheme guy, but he can land players, right? And it works like it's. But that's where that Lincoln's unique, right? Program. Lincoln's had three quarterbacks, three quarterbacks, three quarterbacks in three years. Be great. Now he's got. I, I was listening to him. Coward had him on the show uh, during the week, and they talked for a while uh, about. Now he's got this guy Spencer Rattler, right? Who is like Arizona kid. Arizona kid who is like a recruited guy. Who now, right? What happens? But. I wonder, like, do you win? He's Link is what thirty six. Do you win a championship and then give it a shot? Like, he's still pretty young. You would say I would pick him, but he also was at a destination Urban. job. Wouldn't you pick the scheme guy more than the than the CEO type? Like, to me, Matt Rule is going to be very, very dependent on his coordinators. Lincoln Riley is only going to be dependent on his defensive coordinator because he's going to control the offense. Urban Meyer. He's quote unquote an offensive guy. Well, Dan Mullen was a fucking offensive coordinator. Well, who was his offensive coordinator at Ohio State? Tom Herman. Like he's had great offensive coordinators when he's coached at these programs. That Luke Fickle. Well, it turns out Luke Fickle's pretty good, right? He had very like he's had really good coaching staffs. Lincoln Riley, you just think like that guy's just a dynamic schemer. Well, yeah. Like, at I the mean, end look, of the day, what they say about Saban, Saban can just be your defensive coordinator. I think right? Lincoln. Right. I think Lincoln. I don't know if he does it as much anymore. I mean, Lincoln. I think Lincoln. Cliff Kingsbury was. I mean, what an average college football coach by the numbers. And you could, you might be able to argue. Was he was he under five hundred? He won five games last year with Lincoln Riley's quarterback. So, I I would bet on Lincoln Riley. Um, Because you you would take Lincoln Riley over Cliff Kingsbury to run your NFL team. Exactly. Um, I, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury guy was the career record in college, 35 and 40. Okay. So, you know, see, I, I think on this list, how about Nagy at six? How many, ball, by Lincoln's the way, is good. Lincoln bald brotherhood? Has he buzzed it or is it just, uh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's hanging on. He's hanging on. So he's not, we got Flores, we got Nagy. 
We got McDermott. N- now, no, no one would argue that Oklahoma is not a vastly superior job than Texas Tech. Of course. But, like, Lincoln is 36-6. and six, Yeah. Right? I mean, other coaches, <laughs> plenty of coaches have had blue-chip jobs and not won just because they're at that place. So, you get full credit. 0-3 in the Bulls, Lincoln. Well, what Bulls is he in? Like, CFP well, playoff games. He, well, he's lost to Bama yeah. and uh, Georgia. He's, I mean, he's, he's not in the toilet bowl. <laughs> against like, oh, it's the it's Oklahoma against the second place team from the Mountain West. Like, no, he's playing in the college football playoff. He's got to get over the hump, but whatever. Well, no. let, let, me, let me rephrase that. Georgia and LSU this year. That's who he played. Because remember, Burrow had like seven touchdowns in the first half. I was talking to somebody the other day. They're like, you know, one thing with LSU is like they proved last year you don't have to have a great defense. I'm like, yeah, you just need not a great defense and the greatest offense in the history of college football, and you're golden. <laughs> oh, and, well, that's the other thing, guy. I'm trying to think. They de- they had two first-rounders on defense. Two first-rounders. Might have been three. But they had the pass rusher and a linebacker. First-rounders. So it's like, yeah, they didn't have a great defense. Well, they had multiple first-rounders and probably a couple more guys drafted off the defense. So let's not act like they just rolled out Washington State's defense or something, right? Uh, now you got me. I think that some of this stuff gets thrown yeah. around a little bit. Like, no, there's so, it's a even soft Oklahoma's defense. defense it was dramatically better than his. Best. I'm just trying to picture now Kyle Shanahan as a college coach. Like if we said number one on this list has to be somebody that you thought would be great, could do either one. I think Lincoln, knowing people that are around him, I talked to him one time, I mean, two years ago, but you can just sense in his voice, he's really serious. And I think sometimes with young people under 40, you just think, you know, they're just kind of got the best of both worlds. You know, like, you're talking about, with the you guys. Think you're talking about Kyle or Link, you're saying Lincoln is that way? I'm just talking about just coaches when they're younger. They're like, just cool, like Sean McVay. One thing that Sean McVay has when he talks, like he's a pretty serious guy. Now he balances the jokes probably a little better than Kyle, even though I think Kyle. Kyle's just dry. I think Kyle's just dry. You know, yeah. yeah like his humor is Sean's there. Just, he just doesn't tell you it's coming with a smile ahead of time. I think Lincoln has a vibe like those two guys. Yeah, but I'm saying he's just very true to himself. Like I, I think he'd be fine. I would not bet against Kyle coaching college football. I think, but he'd hate it. I think that. Well, I yeah, just don't but think but he again, any desire to do it? Uh, well, I agree. I if given the choice, I think Sean McVay would be a better college coach than Kyle. Like I think it's made How about Gruden? personality more. McVayish. I think he'd do. I I think Gruden would be pretty. Be good a really job. good college coach. Yeah. Like you see with Herm, I think he'd be made for. It. I think he'd crush. Like if he was in the SEC, I think he'd be big time. To me, maybe Lincoln. Like maybe he does like it. Maybe part of his personality is like he likes doing that. Now. Back to what you said, like Oklahoma, there's an element of it, I don't know, being Oklahoma. Right? He's not like begging people to come there. Here's the other thing. You want to fucking play for me? If I could stand up for like Andy Reid right now. Okay, age matters, so this is a younger list. But Mac Brown is 68, 69 years old, and he's 62, right? Like colleges, the, the schedule is year-round for sure because you got recruiting, got these other things. There's a reason Steve Spurrier liked college, though. It, it did not require you to sleep on your office couch every night. Like, I know he's 62, but you couldn't convince me Andy Reid couldn't just do the – get a big program, go to USC, basic level of recruiting, offensive guru. What if, like, what if he was just a little tired of the NFL, wanted to move back to California? 
Now I don't I don't know how he'd get tired as long as I don't know Patrick Mahomes is there. And just like five years USC and I'll just pick a coach in waiting or something. Like, do you think he'd struggle? Like no. You think he'd struggle to dial up plays against fucking Arizona? Like I just how what if he's like, I want to be the next head coach of USC? Would they what would they say? Like no? They'd say yes. <laughs> and and all the quarterbacks would line up, John. Right? Well, if you were if you were a coach you, or you were a player, a skill guy, or you could argue any position in college, you were gonna go to college, and they just hired Andy Reid. Wouldn't you want to go there knowing that guy can get you to the next level? Do you know yep. Do you know how many years Steve Spurrier coached? I think I think I, I think Tomlin would crush too. Do you know how many years Steve Spurrier yeah, good call. How many years Steve Spurrier coached at South Carolina after the, so he goes right, he's at Florida, he's incredible. He goes to the he goes to Washington. He's twelve and twenty in two years. Like I don't, I'd rather golf with my shirt off. He goes to South Carolina, John, for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years. Goes eighty six and forty nine. I think he had like three of the best years in the history of the program. Like three straight eleven win seasons. Yeah, and it they're in now, the SEC. He he had a now he had an it, over five hundred record. In the SEC at South Carolina. They had a historic run for the state of prospects coming out of the state of South Carolina. I, I can just name about three of them. Clowney, uh, Stephon Gilmore, All-Pro, Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, guys from the hometown. It was just a unique time, and he landed them all. Like, that's the group of 11 win guys were all those guys. I'm not taking it away from them, but it was... Would he have won eleven if there just hadn't been this crop of like? But seven you got to get them. Like a great players come out of the state of California all the time. You got to get them to stay. I wonder. I'd have to go back and look. That had to be a huge, huge, just coup for South Carolina. Just he failed to Washington. Why do they give a shit? We'll take Steve Spurrier yeah. when they landed Steve Spurrier. That'd be the equivalent of Lincoln Riley. Let's say Lincoln Riley's at Oklahoma. Goes to, like, the Texans in two years. Fails, right? Wins, like, five, five games. Like, fuck this, I'm out. And then all of a sudden, it's like, Iowa. And that might not be even a bad example. Like, Oregon State or something. Like, just landed Lincoln Riley. Like, that. If, if I told you Lincoln Riley in a couple years leaves to some team, does not go well for two years, like, who does not want Lincoln he, Riley coming back? But to, to me, that? he'd still be, he would get a top 10 job right away, right? But Steve Spurrier was winning national well, champs, like change college football. I know, and I'm saying Lincoln would get a better job than that. Maybe part of it was like Steve. Did like, he want to be there? I, I'm a, I live in the South. Yeah. I want to be in the SEC. I want to sh- get back. And Here's the other thing. Maybe does it? I mean, Belichick's what 66, 68, 68. I think. I mean, if Urban's on this list and he's medically retired twice, basically. Well, I guess once in the second one, there was just a bunch of controversy. But he's 10 years younger, 11 years, 13 years younger. But he's never coached the NFL. I mean, Bill, you tell me Bill couldn't coach a college program for five years? Again, like, do you see him kissing sophomores' asses? No, but it's part of this is, like, if he wanted to do it, you're telling me sophomores would, maybe if you're Bill Belichick, you don't have to kiss as much ass. I don't know. Just a thought. Yeah, I mean, it's why people from Alabama always told me, like, yeah, we don't or we don't recruit them. We pick them. Yeah. You know, they Saban is not jerking off as many guys, not literally, but you know, begging Thanks people for to play for him. 
he he he, t- he tells you you're in, right? Yeah. He and that that is the benefit of being at one of the top three or four programs. There are, I would say, wouldn't you say on a given year, Ohio State, Bama, Oklahoma, maybe a little more like max two guys they're really kind of fighting. For. Clemson, right now, and Clemson, and, and really it's like. Well, who did Alabama fight for? Well, they were they were on the final list between the guy between Clemson and Stanford you know? will be in on a few of those guys, right? Oregon will be in on a few of those yeah, guys. Yeah, but they're they're a little nichier. Well, that's what I'm saying. But just like there'll be one one or two of those guys will end up just at yeah Clemson, but Stanford was on his final. Actually, the running back that there was a running back that just committed to Clemson who was down at like Stanford was like Stanford. his last five, but he's from out there. Gotcha. But McCaffrey was his favorite guy anyway. You got to ride that McCaffrey tank. All right. Uh, before we move on, John, let's tell the people this podcast is brought to you in part by sleepnumber.com slash ham. Go to sleepnumber.com slash ham because right now it's the lowest prices of the season. You save 400 bucks on a Sleep Number 360 C4 smart bed. Now just $12.99 only for a limited time at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash ham. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. Like I said, quality sleep is the key to your health, well-being. Uh, it's changed our lives. I have a Sleep Number bed. Guys, sleep number bed. We love sleep number beds. Uh, self-care starts with sleep. It changed your life. I, I, it impacts me greatly when I'm not sleeping well. It puts me in a bad mood. Uh, in, in times of stress and uncertainty, self-care is more important than ever, especially during these crazy times. You want to have a good night's sleep. Reduces stress, especially when working from home. You got kids. You got roommates. You got a significant other yelling at you. Uh, the good night's sleep really, really helps. It just, it does. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. That's where you go. Uh, tips to calm a racing mind. Write down what's on your mind. Put your phone in another room. Focus on your breathing. Namaste. Uh, listen to Namaste. soothing music. The light in me recognizes the light in you. And get a Sleep Number C4, 360 C4 smart bed. Just $12.99. Limited time. Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash ham sleepnumber.com slash ham all right uh another part another edition of our um what are we calling this ham uh how to how ham how to changing lives changing lives we did ham how to become an nfl scout the other day this is ham how to become a broadcaster you get asked a lot how do you become a scout i get asked a lot i want to call games how do i do that and um, I'll say what we said the other day at the beginning of, of the scout conversation, which is, in my experience when it comes to calling games, John, there are no two people with the same path. Now, a lot of people go call minor league baseball games, or a lot of people go to a college with a great broadcasting school, like Syracuse or Arizona State or Missouri or Washington State, USC. But even those people don't – even if you went to USC and found three people from SC that all went did minor league baseball, wherever they are now – they would not have the same path. Um, so I think that's the first thing. It's like you can hear everybody's story, but it doesn't necessarily apply to you. But that said. Well, I, I think one thing needs to be clear, and again, I'm not trying to be dis- discourage anyone else, but I think this speaks to how focused you need to be in your pursuit of, of the career. How old were you when you first realized you wanted to do this for a living? Uh, I, I mean, high school. I started calling games in high school. Yeah. But yeah, I was... Pretty big jump on a lot of people. I was probably like thinking about it in school. some weird way before then, but I... Uh, one summer, my dad was like, you got to do something. 
And so I went to the local Davis had a community TV station and they're like, yeah, you can call our games. Cause it was, um, Clayton Gamble's dad, who was, he was a really good football player, a few years older than us on the team, right? Ran the station. Yeah. Fullback. And he yeah. would just film the games, and the games would go on TV with no audio, like on Wednesday night, the Davis High football game would air. Some of the biggest games the area knew with uh, Jay Middle 65 at left guard, right guard, pulling guard. Um, pulling guard. Yeah. Wing T. Wing T. But so, yeah, that was, it, so that was probably, I don't know, maybe our junior year of high school, I started calling games, and then we did basketball and uh baseball too and then and then you went to college to become a broadcaster yeah first week i go to the student radio station and we talked about this a lot with scouting if if you're past college then we can talk about some of the other options but if college is what you're doing now or still ahead of you first week i went to the student radio station and took them a tape of me calling a giants game off the tv and um and so and they hired me to do softball games and host like some radio shows on the student radio station. So student radio station was a big deal then. But for some people... What was your, but did you have to declare a major when you applied to Fresno State or no? Uh, I don't remember. I, I don't remember if I did the first semester, but I was definitely a broadcasting major. Now, a lot of... Be- like, that helped because you had classes that were broadcasting, but experience so was did, the number did you one know, thing for me. Did you know they had a broadcasting major when you applied? Uh, probably is that part yeah i don't really is that part of the reason why you apply i don't really remember why i chose to go there um pat hill pat hill yeah i i do think i see so i went to fresno state so that's not a, like a broadcasting where you go and there's 30 40 other people more i mean who are trying to do the same thing as you right like at some schools you have to share broadcasting duties with a bunch of other people i didn't i was the only person doing all these games which was great now it doesn't mean those other there are benefits to going to Syracuse, um, but I can only speak to the benefits I got were I got to call games from day one. I didn't have to share it with anybody. I got to do whatever I want. So I got a lot of reps early. No one else was in line to compete to, like, want to call the college basketball game. Nobody had asked. Yeah. I, so I did all the women's basketball games for several years. I did volleyball games. I did a ton of softball games. And they were good. They were going to the NCAA tournaments. Um, you know, now – I don't think I did any fo- – I did a ton of high- – I was doing high school football that whole time. And then after a couple uh, – maybe in that freshman year, I was calling a softball game, and the commercial radio station, which was the ESPN radio station, needed somebody to call something else, heard me doing a softball game and, and asked me to come do a game for them. But I got on the air at the student radio station, and that was a big deal. How you, How'd you get better? Listening to yourself. I think this is, like, so critical. Now, and I get emails from people – who say, can you listen to my tape? And I say yes. And sometimes they have to follow up to make sure I watch it or listen to it. But I think the biggest challenge is like trying to find who you are and what you sound like. Because if you went and listened to one of my old tapes, I would not sound like I sound now. I would sound like I'm doing, I don't know, probably a John Miller or a Dave Fleming impression, right? Um, and so you have to just constantly listen to yourself to find yourself, to be like, okay, is that me? Is that me? When you listen, like, is that me or is it not me? And then it's, to me, it's kind of like a, a, for anyone that golfs or anything, if you paint, if you draw, the beauty of those of painting or drawing probably, you can just sit at home and draw for 15 hours a day if you want. You can just constantly get better and get better and get better. To call games, there's sports on all the time. They might not be airing for anybody, but you can just call games and call games and call games and call games and call games. And it just, it, I don't know if Gladwell's 10,000 hours is real, but there's something to 
just over and over and over and over and over and over again. Now, part of that is you got to listen to it and then say, okay, here's one thing I don't like. Let me try and fix that one thing for the next game. The next broadcast, let so me you fix go, that you one you go thing. back and watch every broadcast you've ever done or listen to it? No, I, I don't go back and watch every game, but I will go, like now, sometimes I do. Like I'll DVR a game, and if I've got a flight, I might download it and watch the game on the flight back. Or I'll know there were specific things I want to go check, like how did that come off? Did that come off well? Was that cheesy? Was that bad? Was that as bad as I thought? Was that as good as I thought? And, um, and then you just get better at realizing, like, oh, that was good. Or, you know, when I watch it back, I'm going to like that. Um, and I'll tend to watch stuff back. Sometimes it's hard because you're like, God, I, I don't think that was good, but I kind of have to watch it to know, was that as bad as I thought? And usually it's not. Um, but I think the number one thing is you got to do stuff and then you got to watch it. So like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, that I got a DM from a 14 year old kid. It was like, I call games off the TV. And a lot of people say that I never did that as a kid. Probably should have. I did like, I remember like doing taping fake radio shows. Talking to myself, basically, is another way of doing I'm that. I'm telling you, this guy, Cal Ripken, his range at shortstop, he's the all-American guy. I, I don't even know. I do remember calling a radio station when I was a kid once about Patrick Ewing and Hakeem Olajuwon. Like, who do you guys think is better? And they really should have put me on, because as we learned when you were radio, putting kids on is bad content, usually. No, it's awful. But, nonetheless, um, I, yeah, I just think you got to rep it. You just got to rep it out, man. You just got to do it and do it and do it and do it. Um, and if you get a live game to do, great. You know, so that's where college comes into play is there's just you are you have all these games. So you're doing soccer games and volleyball games and you're doing all this stuff. And the reps you do on a volleyball game translate. It all translates because to me, the number one thing I listen for when I listen for some when I listen to somebody's tape is timing. Like, do they have a sense of timing or not? And I think you can get better at timing. You mean like. When a shot's hit, just like yeah, just like a like a pacing. Like, do they is there a rhythm or is there not a rhythm? Do they have rhythm or not? Um, and you know, I don't know. I it's it's I it's almost I've done so many I've repped so many times. It's hard to remember. I feel like I always had when I listened pretty good rhythm like early on, but I'm sure it's something you can learn as long as you know that you're listening for it. Um, but that's always the first thing I listen for is, does somebody have a rhythm? Like, do they have a feel? It's just, it's hard to describe, but it's just like a feel. And I think the only way you get a feel is with practice, with understanding, like, okay, I need to say the pitch is on the way before it gets, like, as it's being released. Otherwise you're going to hear the crack of the bat and you're going to go, here's the pitch crack. Or you're going to go crack. Here's the pitch. It's amazing how many times it happens. I listen back to my, to myself. And sometimes it happens where you're like, here's the pitch. And you're actually behind even though you think you're on time. So getting ahead of stuff like that. And it gets to the point where I try so hard now to be ahead that there are I've had a few moments where you go, whoa. Like I had one last year, Air Force Colorado. Touchdown! He's down at the seven. time. <laughs> uh, Caden Remsburg is the name of the Air Force guy. It's their first possession of OT. They get him like on an end around. So it's like a 25-yard run. I'm go- you know, at- He's like at the three, and I say, touchdown. As he's diving, well, it works out perfect because the timing is perfect as long as he actually crosses the goal line. I caught that one a little tight. I remember I was like, oh, I better go back and watch that because that felt a little tight. Now, if you watch it, Why, it feels he early. shoved out. Yeah, it's just he better make it or else it's going to sound, if he's in, then the timing is perfect. But he's got to be in. 
So, but I, that's something I worked on a lot is be ahead or be on time. And to be on time for a long time, you got to feel like you're almost ahead of a play to get on time. So it really is like when people shit on Joe Buck, the amount of time he had to just sit there with his dad over the years and listen to it. Like there is just something like with Kyle Shanahan, the advantage he has of the way he's probably listening to things and talking like it just, it's not even replicable for someone like you who's just like most of our parents do other things. Yeah. You're not even talking about it in that verbiage that he's probably was just so well prepared before he even really started. I think the other thing that he really, I, I'm a Joe Buck. I have been for a long time a fan of Joe. I think he does a great job. I think one thing that is so hard to get is like this comfort that you belong when you're young, like to sound like you're comfortable and you belong and you're just yourself. And I would imagine if we asked Joe, like, if you listen back or watch something from when you were 23, is there anything you'd change? I'm sure he would. But he was good then. And part of it is just, to your point, like Kyle Shanahan just has a comfort around a locker room. Joe just had a comfort because it was a comfortable environment for him young. And that's that comfort, you cannot fake that experience. You cannot fake that that comfort. So, Do you, do you think like when you were in college to where you're at now, you're like what you desire to do and what you desire to call has changed. Not what I desire to call. I mean, I think, um, the, cause you've done what NBA games, you've done base MLB games. Yep. If I would have told you in college, you would get to do an NBA champions games. Who's in the middle of a dynasty and call major league baseball games. Yeah. That would have been a pretty big deal. Right. By the time you're in your early thirties, you'll be doing this. Right. Yeah. It would have been. Yeah. Yes. Now, I don't know that I would have been like, no way. Like, I, I think I probably thought that's what was going to happen. I felt confident that, that was going to happen. Um, you know, or college, fo- like, t- like games on TV, like people actually see, like that would have been a really big deal to me too. Um, it is a big deal to me. Um, so, I, you know, I, I always kind of felt like that was going to happen. That like, like, yeah, of course. Like, I think I'm, you know, I probably thought I was better than I was for a long time. And I was lucky by the time I got to do the Warriors, do the A's, um, or that, you know, like the first FS1 game I did, I was like, I, God, I, I thought I was good at parts, but I can be a lot better. And so I was lucky that I got another chance. And so now I feel like I got these opportunities to do things and the tape reflects. Like, I think it takes a while, or at least it did for me, where the tape sounds as good as you feel like you are. Like I probably thought I was better than my tape sounded like I was for a long time where I'd give it to somebody like, check it out and be like, yeah, you sound like every tape, other guy. The, ta- the tape never lies guy. The tape never Congrats lies. Congrats on sounding like every other guy that does triple a baseball, you know, yeah, I, the eye in the sky never lies or the record button. Well, but I felt like it sometimes be like, God, why is it so hard for me to find like great tape? Like it's out there. And that is one challenge. It's like, if you're not doing big games, it might be hard for you to have a tape where it's like, I need five minutes on TV that the crowd is great and the game is close and there's like these big moments and it's, it's hard to get that. So I think while you're doing all the stuff that isn't as good, you have to just understand that all of this stuff is going to help you that moment when it comes, you might only get a few shots at them. So you, all this is going to get you ready for that moment and kind of that moment will, you might feel like you're ready for that moment before it comes, but good. You should be ready for that moment before it comes. Like you should hope that that moment is late because if the moment's early, you're not ready for it. You, you, you're going to kick yourself over it. You don't know if you're going to get another shot. So all those when, reps when you are say so that valuable. A, that a lot of people 
like in any job, you know, scouting's the same way. Like you, you get the internship, you think you could be the GM. You, you're doing a high school softball game, you think, fuck, I should be doing the Yankees. Right. Like you need to take advantage of, like you just said, those reps and as well as you can be present where you're at yeah. and put all the chips in the middle of the table yeah. and don't treat it like it sucks. Even though you'll look back, you actually appreciate it more the farther you are away. Right? Who was I? Li- oh. Even though it does, it's not something you'd want to do. You know who it was? You and I were talking about this when we played golf a few weeks ago that we had both listened to Kevin Hart on the Joe Rogan podcast. And one thing Kevin was talking about was it really resonated with me. And I'm, it, I know it, does, it did with you too. He's like, he was, I think he was talking about his kids and, you know, how tough, you know, how his kids obviously have a different advantage he didn't have when he was growing up because he was really poor and his kids have opportunities now right because kevin's made a lot of money and it's connected and all that but he said if you don't ever struggle he's like i always wonder this if you don't struggle if you just everything just is handed to you what do you talk about with other people right like i love running into somebody that's called minor league baseball you just have this instant like oh man or i i did arena two football there used to be this minor league arena team it was 200 bucks a week i got to miss class to do it we would travel I only did road games. The travel was a bitch. I mean, there was not... The team would be split up on multiple flights. We wouldn't even have a bus usually. It'd be like multiple vans that, you know, you had the the like this, the GM of the team. And when I say GM, I don't mean like in a football sense. I just mean like the guy who handled the marketing. The head of marketing was my color analyst. The head coach was Fred Bolitnikoff Jr., who I know is he's out in the Bay Area. Awesome dude. I text him every once in a while. He would like drive one of the vans. The the marketing guy who uh, was also my radio analyst who drank on the air drove one of the vans. Like one of the two trainers drove vans. Like there was always like some outbreak. You know, like every season, like drank 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 like a beer. Uh, yeah, or like you'd get a beer from the from the stands. I remember the best player on the team was a high school teacher. Wes Borba taught at Chowchilla High School, I think. He was always the didn't Matt Bar- wasn't Matt Barnes brother on the team. J- Jason Barnes was on the team one year. Yeah, he he a Boise State guy. No, I think he was Sacramento State. Sacramento State. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the guys, like one of the stars of the team one year, was this guy. He went on to be the backup quarterback for the uh, San Jose team, but he set like a record with like 103 touchdown passes. Scott Rizlov, he was a San Jose State guy. But those that grind like you right now, if you said, "Hey, guy, you can go do this. It'll be two hundred bucks a week. You got to travel to Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, and uh, no one will be listening. And uh, you are going to stay in like Motel Six, and you're going to eat. You're going to have a roommate, and you're going to eat at Cracker Barrel." I'd be like, "No chance in hell am I doing that, right?" But then it was an incredible experience. It was such a great, and part of the experience was just. Learning to be around players, learning how to talk to players, learning how to talk to coaches. One one of my favorite stories, I called a game where the broadcast booth was a tough shed turned sideways with a hole sawed out in the side of it, and they put two chairs in it. That was the broadcast booth, right? It was awesome. So you got, like, and I think you said this when it came to scouting, the same thing applies to broadcasting. Say yes. Can you do this? Yeah. Do you know anything about soccer? Have you ever called a soccer game before? Yeah. Sure. I, call, I, well, t- I called a well, soccer game from the roof of an RV. We just, they just drove an RV to midfield. They put us on the roof, John. That was the broadcast booth. So, yes. To, to me, this is, for, this is for anyone in college or just trying to ride out in that 22, 23, 24-year-old sweet spot. When you get, I would say, 
30, but definitely once you get to your mid 30s, like where we're, I can't, like you said, the things that I did in my early 20s, if you offered me that, I'd laugh in your face. I laugh in the face of some offers that I shouldn't be laughing in the face <laughs> just because I know it's the right thing to do to get myself a little more. Right. You will never, ever be more naive in a good way to just try different things and where they lead you is uh, unknown. And whatever, it's like, to me, I am a big believer in being passionate about something. And if you are, it makes work so much better. And if you're good at it, you're going to make the money. Not every job pays like Wall Street or Facebook right out of college. But there are a lot of people at those companies that fucking hate life, hate work. I don't view Mondays as shitty. I I don't view, we record podcasts on Sundays. When you you did what, what, scouts or broadcasting, your, your days are, like, you called a game a couple of years ago on Thanksgiving. Like, that's just part of the – you don't even think about it like that, though. And I, I think it helps your life, just your your sanity a little bit when you are passionate about whatever you do. And if you're passionate about something, that means you'll put a lot of effort in and it's usually hard to fail. Obviously, we're talking about broadcasting or football or talking sports or whatever. I do think that speaks for a lot of, you know, people that feel like, God, I wish I would have done what I wanted to do. It gets you get to a certain point where it probably does get too late, or at least you'd be unwilling to make a change because of the step back, which I understand. But we got a lot of people listening in their twenties. Like now's the time. Well, but and know? I think part of that hang up, right, is like what will other people think if if you're listening, you're not in college and you're 36 and you want to call games. What'll what'll my friends think if I'm instead of hanging out with them on a Friday night? Uh, or what will my you know will my is it cool? Will my wife be cool if I decide I'm gonna go call some high school football games this week? Um, you know, so that's probably, I think, a roadblock for some people. It's like, well, other people think it's weird when I walk in there. And it's like, whatever. You, people want to do this. And there's more people want to do I'm not trying to break up a happy home. Not yeah. trying to break up a happy home. But she's not supportive, guy, to your passions. Might have the wrong girl. Good point. Very good point. Um, <laughs> you know, should be a supportive partnership. That's right. That's right. All that stuff is val- All that stuff is really now, valuable. Now, her answer might be like, well, how are we going to feed our children? Yeah, well, you got to be doing that, too. You gotta, you know, you're gonna be, you're gonna be putting in some hours, but, you know, I think, like I told, I mentioned something earlier about how I got to, and we're talking specifically about play by play, but on the podcast I mentioned that I was just the way I got to the Bay Area was I was just doing a radio show and I got an email and said, hey, would you come up here and audition? Um, and part of that was I had done, I had called minor league baseball for three years for the Fresno Grizzlies, and so part of that job with the A's was doing the pre and post game. So I think that's part of why I got offered that job too. And the, like that was an incredible, valuable experience doing minor league baseball. And in those days, I would do a radio show from three to six, get off the air, and then do the do three innings. Doug Greenwald did was the main guy. I was the number two guy. Um, so you think if you were pigeonholed as like a hockey or basketball guy, you probably wouldn't have got. Well, maybe they would ask night. me to do yeah some shark stuff. I don't know. Yeah. But um. Uh. You know, I I think that. There are things now that I wouldn't that I wouldn't do right now, but in retrospect, I was at a place where oh, I know what I was going to say. So, like most things I've gotten have not been, "Hey, we heard you. We want to give you a job." Right? That's happened to me a few times. "Hey, I heard you doing this. We want you to do this." Cool. But most thing is banging down doors and banging down doors. So don't be fooled by, "Hey, somebody called me because they heard me and that's how I got a job." Like those are breaks, but they're not the main way that I got opportunities. Most of them was bang and no, and no, no, we don't want, I remember one time I took my tape to the Fresno heat wave. It was like an 
I don't even know what level of basketball it was. And they were like, no, we're good. Like I've had way more of those experiences where you look back, oh, how could you guys say no to me? Then I have like someone reaches out and just wants you because they heard you. That's mine. That somebody else might have a different experience. But what I was going to say is, so if you're past college, or even if you're in whatever age you are, yeah, there's a certain level where now all the jobs are by and large people banging on doors, going, "There's 80 people trying to get one job." But you could probably walk over to the high school in your area and go, "Hey, are you guys streaming the games on the internet? I'm a, I'm available." Right? Like you could go like those opportunities are out there right now for you to find if you want to go find them. No matter you might be 14, you might be 44. Like that you can do. There are not a lot of people. There are some people doing it, but not a lot of them. Right? So that one if you want a place to start and you're willing to do that, you can go do that right now. I I would be surprised if you couldn't. That seems pretty smart. Or just call just your or your call room. your NBA 2K games on Twitch. I mean, I don't know. Like well, you you're right though. There are there has never been, I say this all the time, more opportunities to separate yourself because of the internet. And I don't think of them necessarily in broadcast terms, but it's so... Guy, put your put tapes on Instagram, your Instagram page. Just have an Instagram page of just your calls of calling games that are getting replayed on television. Right, right. right. Just, you, you can do anything, personalize it, and s- distribute it through LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter... You just you got to just start, and then you'll realize what works, what doesn't work. And like you said, I think a lot of people get consumed. What what is my uh, brother going to think about me on Instagram? You know, or my mo- or my mom's friend's going to make fun of me? And you just if you think like that, then you just you'll never do anything for yourself. I, you, you said can't. You said something earlier that I think is really true about just being passionate. And you were talking about we had a question from somebody early in the podcast. Well, about, you know why, guy? Because I, I despise, and let me repeat, despise doing things I don't like to do. Despise it. Now, Absolutely as you get you. older, you realize, and you know this, once you get married, you have, there are things that you have to do that you don't like as much. And I'd put that into a little different category. I'm talking more professionally, even though you still, you just, sucks, but it's part of the deal. I, I just Professionally, I can't imagine having to do consistently. Now, no matter what you do, you could we could own a company in 10 years, Haber Middlecoff, making... 20 million each for us. There are going to be parts of that that we're not going to like yeah. doing. It's not It's not like there's some utopia. But the more things you can feel like being in your office, working on a podcast fucking topic or looking and reading stuff that's going to, you're going to talk about at 8 o'clock at night on a Tuesday is work. You know, it technically is. And I don't even, it doesn't even cross my mind. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Well, th- or you get there might ready be for somebody a game out there at who, night. who wants to do a podcast for them, making money on the podcast is not their objective, right? So for them, they don't need. They just, hey, I just want to do it and see what happens. Like, you should totally do that. Um, but I also think a lot of people are conditioned to be like, oh, what is that person doing? Out of like an insecurity. If you do it with passion, if you're just all in on it, I think people will view it differently. They go, oh, this person, wow, they, they don't care what I think. They're just all in on whatever they do. And that is... It's not about attraction, but that is a good quality to have. And I think people are attracted to that. Like, oh, that's a weird thing. They don't look and go, oh, that's weird. They go, man, this person's all in on this, and they're pretty good at it. Or they're they're giving it a shot. So, yeah, it's weird to go sit up in the last section of a stadium and just call a game into a phone. But if you want to do it, do it. And it will benefit you. It will not hurt you at all. Um, I think one of the great hacks that I had in doing radio when I started in college doing working at the commercial radio station and I was just producing and that's the other thing is there's a whole other side of this which is not play by play which is just doing shows and I think 
I got 10,000 hours of just thinking about topics really quickly. But one of the great hacks, and anybody can do this, is you. Judd Apatow has told the story about how when he was in high school, he started like a radio show and he would just interview people. And that's how he got connected with a lot of people like Larry. That's how he got connected with Larry Sanders, who became his mentor for life. Right. Or not Larry Sanders. Uh, Larry Sanders was the fake character. What's his real name? Bill Gary Shandling. Gary, but R. Judd R. Apatow right. just had a just did interviews because nobody, no high school kid was calling Gary Shandling or any other Hollywood people at the time. So I did a radio show. Well, the hack, you can't call up somebody you admire and be like, hey, man, would love to just talk to you for 20 minutes. Take your time for 20 minutes. But I was able to talk to a lot of people just because that's a way to talk to people. Like, hey, I got a radio show. Would you come on? And like you said, you ask enough. People will come on. Anybody will come on eventually as long as you can get a hold of them. And so I had some really kind of uh, rewarding experiences, things that really gave me encouragement um, early on. Like I remember one time doing the radio show and I was young, but I had Rusillo on and he came on for 20 minutes. And afterwards he was like, you know, man, that was really good. And I was like, that, that made a huge difference for me. Just that somebody gave you a little bit of confidence. And it's how you, it's how you make connections. If you go to college, I do think that, I'll say this, you don't have to go to Syracuse, but if you do, great. I do think there is a value going to a school that has sports. And if you have football, it, particularly if it's Division One football, you will have TV crews coming to your school. And if there are TV crews, there are people to meet and there are jobs to volunteer for. Right? So th- that's a big deal. If you've got men's and women's basketball and you've got softball and you've got baseball, that's a lot of game. So I, I do think if you're looking for a college, it doesn't have to be the number one broadcasting school, but it should be a place that there will be opportunities. There will be opportunities for you to broadcast. That's yeah, one if, thing if I would you say. don't get into SC, it's not the big end of the deal. Yeah. If you get to San Diego State, you could argue you might be able to separate yourself faster at San Diego State than you could at USC, right? Yeah, you might get more reps, that's for and, sure. I, I also think every time that you feel that you're in a, a non-advantageous situation, you do have to think outside the box, like you said. Like, well, I don't, I'm not in school anymore. Well, if you got if you got a big high school football program in your backyard, you got to think like Guy. Or you have, like, some big AAU tournament. Or just think about something, some way possible that you gotta, that you got to try to get a strikeout, right? <laughs> you know, you might not be able to throw a fastball, but you got to get the out. You know, and I, I think sometimes people get very, very frustrated. It, it, the older you get, I become this way. When you're young, you don't even think about it because you don't even know. You're like, well, I got to do this, this, and this. You're just like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to show up at this guy's house, knock on his door, see what he says. But the older you get, you're like, I don't know if I'd do that, right? Yeah. When you're young, you just try everything. You just try every pitch. <laughs> and then some work, some don't. And then when you're like 40 years old, drinking beers with your buddies, you're like, I remember when I used to do that. And sometimes that just being relentless you know, it's just usually how you get in with just crazy, weird ideas. So if you want something bad enough, I always feel like people attain it. And that's what's cool about success stories is most of them don't look like some direct path to wherever they go. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right. No. But, but so you just but got you, to me. You have to have patience. There are things with broadcasting. There's the baseline of stuff. You, you got to be, yeah, you got to be good enough. I would say this, like looking back, you have to have, and I'm, kind of in the right we're in the middle of the whole story so i'm not really this isn't a retrospective but you have to have patience even though i can tell you this at no point along the way have i been patient right but you don't have a choice See, i think that like i'm an in i am yeah, impatient i am not patient at all but i i, I think there's a good example of I, i've heard like gary v and tony robbins and people talk about like 
Sometimes a mistake is being patient, like think you have to wait 20 years to obtain something. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to be very impatient with your aggressiveness, but understand, like, it took Joe Lacob a long time to get something built. Yeah. And you'd say he's really impatient. Well, like, you have to be realistic with your expectations of, like, you're not going to be Colin fucking Yankee games tomorrow if you're 23. You're not going to be the GM for... You know the the Forty Niners next week. Like there are just there are things, but you can make big time hey hey you know headway by just being really aggressive and relentless in your pursuit of what you want. That you're impatient, but there's also to me a balance of. And I battled this when I was young. You're probably better at this than me. Of just being patient when you're once you get the opportunity to be around certain people. Sometimes you got to listen more than you talk. Mm. And I think sometimes that you can, in any professional situation or just introduction situation, when you kind of act like a know-it-all, and listen, we all at 25 or 28 or 20 think we know way more than we do, and that's never going to change. That's a good thing. To me, that's a healthy thing. You should think that. Now, you learn to harness that, but you got to be careful what you say. And and you don't want to be the loudmouth, annoying know it all because you will get shunned uh you know you, you will just be kind of a clown and i i battled that sometimes i think when i was really young at fresno state and you just you get humbled fast but the thing is with football maybe unlike broadcasting they will just tell you to shut the fuck up you know it's yeah. a very more there's elements in other professions where they might not tell you that but they ain't going to recommend you or talk about you so, for anything and i'd say bro- the media is probably more like that than football which I was lucky. You just get hum- you just get screamed at yep. like you would in your house. Uh, it's 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 a great point. There are a handful of people who I say, "Hey, I'd love some feedback." And let me be really clear about this. When I because everyone says like, "Hey, feel free to be critical." Well, first of all, not everyone's going to watch like an hour of your tape and write you a bunch of notes. Like that's asking a lot. But I think what's helpful when you ask somebody for feedback is ask a specific question. What do you think about what I did here? Because otherwise, it's people are really hesitant to be super critical of you when they watch your tape. Um, so you have to be the most critical person. It doesn't mean like I simultaneously can think I suck, but also be really confident, right? It's like I know I can be better than this. This is below my standard, if that makes sense. Even those two things don't feel like they go together. Um, it's a weird combination of like, God, I my standard's so much higher, right? I, right? It's... So you got to have a few people who you can like, look, I mean it when I say, please be critical of this or you're lucky. Maybe just have a, a, you're around somebody who is willing, who trusts that you can handle criticism. I always say this when I like do hosting stuff, I would talk to producers and my, I always say it is the former players who are analysts can take coaching a lot better than the hosts can. Like the, the broadcasters, they act like they can take criticism, but they're mostly a soft yeah, bunch. I would say I would say the majority of people in the media are horrendous at taking criticism, even though they condition out the majority. Right? Of it. I always like condition. All of a sudden, someone writes a review of them. It's like, oh, how dare this is art. It's like whatever. You can't. This is what we do, so they can do it. Players have thick skin. They get yelled at and coached all the time. So have, you know, be hard on yourself. Be hard on you. You have to be. You have to be really. You have to be hard on yourself and. Um, that's the only way you get better. So anyway, I think back to your point about patience. Yes, it's not about just sitting back and waiting for to come to you, waiting for it to come to you. The whole time I was, in retrospect, being patient, I was constantly sending out tapes and emails and calling. Like, please, for the love of God, 
and it was no and no and no and no. There's a million no's. Um, but I think the same thing we talked about with scouting. All you need is one person to be like, okay, of the 32 teams, I'll give you a job. So that's one of the things with play-by-play is there are minor league baseball is huge for it because there's just so many jobs and you don't have to have a ton of experience to get one of those jobs. Now they're competitive, yeah. but you know, if we roll back next year and there's half of minor league baseball is gone, that's a lot of opportunities because those jobs turn over a lot and they, there's just, so you got to find other, other paths, but that's where, you know, calling video games off Twitch. I, I mean it like that's, I probably would have done that. Right. If I was 15 right now, I probably would have done that. Like I, Maybe I I'll do it again. Out. Who knows? <laughs> Let me know if there's yeah. a football season. <laughs> you might see me Not on Twitch. Not a bad idea. Reach out to Big Cat. See if uh, you know if you're an inspiring guy. See if you can yeah, call one of his games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm sure there's you know that's like we did with scouting. That's the short version. But DMs are open. If you ever need any advice, yeah, DM Haberman. Just just say I love when I get this one. Like. Uh, I'll, I'll watch you. I love watching you. It's like, give me one example. You don't have to lie. It's okay. Like you don't have to. I don't. That doesn't bother me. Um, but if you have seen something, let me know what you liked. Because at the end of the day, we're all just need some positive reinforcement. Doesn't matter where it comes from. It helps. Good luck to every. All Good luck to all you guys out there. Uh, yeah, and gals for that matter. Yeah. All right. On that note, th- this was a long podcast that we set out to do. We we're like, ah, oh, maybe we'll do thirty minutes, and yet here we are, two hours later. So are we taking? Sometimes you never know where the world's going to take. The you. real question is, are we taking next week off, like we talked about, or or not on the podcast? Uh, I was planning on it. Okay, good. Just a step away. We've got some. So this, we've got a lot of golf evergreen all week. week. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. DraftKings, the Shambo making a push I, I, here. I think, I, I think so. Just a good, good week to just clear our heads. Yeah. All right. Well, even though I, I always feel guilt, yeah, I'm like I Belichick. Know. You know, I know. It's like I should be like totally, but it's, but it's like I there is this is a good week with Corona to just namaste. No, all right, on the, but but keep hitting us with. Uh, we'll get back to the mailbag, iTunes. You know where to find us in the DMs, all that. Yeah, hit us up. Adios. Later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.